0: Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, one and all. I hope everyone is doing well tonight, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of The Sea Report, and happy 4th of July, everybody out there who is celebrating and who is, uh, is, you know, holding their, uh, country and their nationalities and its origins with pride and joy and love and recognition in their hearts, ladies and gentlemen. You know, come the 4th of July, it seems like everyone just wants to make cracks about the indigenous people, or they just want to, uh, (coughs) excuse me, they just want to go on and on about how, eh, it's just another day off of work for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, and while that might be true, if it lands in the middle of the, I mean, the beginning or the end of a week, well, hey, you got yourselves a three-day weekend there, ladies and gentlemen, at the expense of patriots, or at least at the expense of those who founded this country, uh, and, uh, well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, today is the 4th of July, and we are celebrating it here at the Sea Report with, um, well, with a live episode on the 4th of July. No, just kidding. Uh, you know, the 4th of July, uh, I, you know, whenever I think about the 4th of July these days, my my mind honestly just goes back to things like, I don't know, the 1619 Project and Juneteenth and all of this Marxist, racist, uh, critical race theory stuff because... You know, those um, those um, aspects of uh, what higher education, which was actually, ironically enough, also being funneled into what uh, child education, right? To teach them about racism and to teach them about, uh, I guess, the indigenous people, right? And how uh, Americans just killed the indigenous. You know, (laughs) I've mentioned it here before on the Sea Report in talking about uh, individuals or presidents, I should say, uh, such as like Andrew Jackson, for example. You know, Andrew Jackson was my favorite president until President Trump came onto the scene, that is. And, uh, well, I mean, of course, obviously the reason why Andrew Jackson was one of my favorite presidents, if not my... Well, now one of my favorite presidents, right? Not the favorite, uh, was because of his... um, was because of his ability and his willingness and his execution at taking down the Central Bank of America. Now, uh, if you have reviewed history, uh, you know that basically they just did not renew the charter, okay? So, ooh, what kind of execution was this? They refused to sign the paper with the quill, right? Uh, But, you know, he ran on a platform um, exposing and talking about... Uh, the evil machinations of the slave uh, debt slavers and the money changers that is, of course, uh, the central bank and uh, their board of directors. Um, or, you know, it's it, should they even be called a board of directors? They should be called like I don't know, like just a board, or they should be called like stockholders or you know, brand holders or you, know, whatever it is, board holders. I don't know what you call. What is the next level up from a stockholder, right? Well, whatever that is, that's what they should be referred to as, because after all, as we learned, um, even though President Jackson never talked about how they're actually a private corporation, I mean, what was a corporation back in the 1800s, right? I I mean, I'm pretty sure it was an aspect of uh, business that was nascent. Uh, but was also, um, or I should say it was virginal, right? Maybe not nascent. It wasn't born, but, you know, it was in its youth, right? It had not yet entered into full maturity as it has these days. Uh, But, you know, what was a corporation back then that Andrew Jackson could really say? Well, hey, this is just a bank of private business owners that are deciding the fate of our economy and who are making debt slaves of a supposedly free people. Uh, But no, you know, that wasn't his choice uh, words whenever he was talking about the federal. Well, it wasn't even called the Federal Reserve then, ladies and gentlemen. Some people might be a little bit uh, uh, a little bit unaware of the fact that, you know, um, the central bank was just the first and second central bank of America. You know, that's what the first two central banks were called. And then, you know, in 1913 or so, Uh, The third central bank, otherwise known as the Federal Reserve, came into existence. And of course, as we all know from uh, with the creature on Jekyll Island. And uh, what was the name of uh, G. Edward Griffith? You know, I actually got to meet G. Edward Griffith. This was probably back in like 2010, maybe. Mm, It was quite some time ago. The man is still alive, right? G. Edward Griffith, as far as I know, uh, the man is still alive. But I actually haven't checked a pulse on him. In quite some time, you know, he used to be one of those uh, like uh, cornerstones of uh, truth and knowledge that I would go to back in the day, you know, when my eyes were just barely starting to open, ladies and gentlemen. But, uh, you know, um, the creature from Jekyll Island, of course, uh, laid out how they got, uh, you know, these banking uh, banking uh, influencers. Uh, influencers, right? What was an influencer back in 1900, right? <laughs> it was just called a prominent businessman, right? Or a politician. Anyhow, politicians, businessmen, uh, bankers, money changers all getting together on Jekyll Island and deciding how they were going to go about getting their um, a banking control, you know, the control of the finances back into the hands of the board of directors. That's what they're called, right? The ones above the stockholders board of directors. So ladies and gentlemen, um, uh, well, the rest is history as they say. And, you know, even Woodrow Wilson, the president who signed the federal reserve act into law, um, Well, you know, he had much to regret on his deathbed. He was like, I've been fooled, but they probably also had blackmail on me too, right? So I don't know. I mean, again, that's history. And, you know, what we're talking about, like 1920s when he, he, uh, you know, he passed, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I, I believe they were already running honeypot operations by then, if not at least by the 1930s, ladies and gentlemen. So who knows? Who knows uh, if they had something on Wilson and they were like, "You better sign this contract into law. So uh, where did I get off talking about the Federal Reserve Central Bank, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, Andrew Jackson. Yes, yes, that's what it was. So after Andrew Jackson uh, um, uh, failed to allow, I say failed, right? To allow the uh, Central Bank of America to once again hold its citizens as debt slaves, as we are to this day, ladies and gentlemen, to this day, we are debt slaves to the central bank known as the Federal Reserve, who has a board of directors and it's a, a corporation. You know, and the thing about this is the topic, which I was very, very uh, surprised at first, but, but, but then deeply humbled, was that the rhetoric that I'm saying now about the Federal Reserve not being federal and it has no reserves, and also that it is a corporation owned by private banking interests and families... That has become part of the nomenclature of today. People actually understand it and know it, you know. They they don't uh, question about what it is. People get it, generally speaking. And, and I say that uh, on a subconscious to conscious level, ladies and gentlemen, because, like I said, it, it, it's part of what is known. Personally, I attribute that to the 100th monkey syndrome, And all of you diligent patriots and uh, freedom-loving individuals out there who never ceased to spread that information, you see why it's so important to spread the truth in information, Uh, at least the truth as accurately as we can assess it, right? Because as it expands from the uh, consciousness and the voices of those who understand it, it seeps into the subconscious understanding of everyone else in the pack in the herd, in the race, ladies and gentlemen. That is the 100th monkey syndrome. Um, If you don't know what the 100th monkey syndrome is, I suggest you go look it up. And uh, there were scientific studies that um, independently backed up that theory, right? Because it's not like you can literally say, well, if 100 people learn it, everyone learns it. But that was the example. And again, there was... um, Independent scientific experiments that prove that to be a fact uh, experiments involving uh, generations of mice and you know uh, and monkeys and stuff like that and it 's like well, how did they learn how to crack a nut they didn 't know how to to do that two generations ago until we taught them, and then the ones who were coming out of the womb knew how to crack a nut like, what 's up with that right So spread the news, spread the information. Spread the word, ladies and gentlemen, so that it might grow and expand in our consciousness and our subconsciousness as well, collectively speaking, ladies and gentlemen. Now, let's finish this point on Andrew Jackson (laughs) before I get too long, ladies and gentlemen. uh, The reason why I brought him up to begin with is because of the indigenous people, right? Um, So Andrew Jackson was my favorite president until President Trump hit the scene And, uh, well, you know, they often talk about the trail of tears, ladies and gentlemen. And again, this goes all the way back to, uh, people these days, um, that would rather, rather ridicule our nation and all of the advances that we have made. And I'm not trying to sound, not trying to sound as if though I don't have a heart for, um, what occurred to many of the tribes throughout their histories, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, it is tragic. You know, again, the Trail of Tears, ladies and gentlemen, my favorite president of the time, responsible for such a heinous act that killed, like, Probably millions of indigenous uh, Americans or Indians or natives, whatever you want to call them. If you don't want to be politically correct, I am not going to hold it against you. Just make sure that you confirm is it Indian dot or Indian how, right? And then we'll be on the same page, ladies and gentlemen. But anyhow, as I was saying, uh, the Trail of Tears. Now, I have this theory that I don't have enough time to get into. But my theory is this, right? Kind of like the Titanic, right? Like it was until like how long that the subconscious came forward and everyone realized that uh, the prominent politicians who opposed the Federal Reserve Central Bank were all on board the Titanic, right? I mean, some of the most loud and some of the most um, objectionary politicians and uh, businessmen on board the Titanic. And, you know, their peers who uh, who uh, longed for this, uh, you know, central bank to make debt slaves of Americans again were invited as well. But then, you know, they, they decided not to get on the boat in the end, ladies and gentlemen. Now, what's up with that, right? So talking about something like as crazy but historically accurate as that, when I find me some time, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to dig as deep into uh Andrew Jackson's presidency, The Trail of Tears, okay, as well. Because I don't know, I have this theory that, you know, maybe somewhere in I mean, and if anyone knows the answer to this, by all means, please do share. But somewhere in the annals of history, ladies and gentlemen, is it possible that it wasn't necessarily Andrew Jackson himself who committed um, these heinous acts against the indigenous people. I know that there there will be learned history, historians out there and, and people who study history who'll be like, well, that's not true, Mr. C. Uh, Andrew Jackson was also very vocal about killing those savages, right? And he was, he was. So, you know, you can see how all of the, um, you can see how all of the evidence, evidentiary proof kind of like, you know, melds and gels together. And you could say he is responsible for the Trail of Tears. But like, what if it was like, you know, some mid or high level politician underneath the president who got that ball rolling? And, you know, I just kind of tend to think that whenever we think about Andrew Jackson and whenever we're taught about him, if we're even taught about him anymore, right? You know, they don't got time for presidents. All they can teach you about is Obama and Biden, right? Anyhow... Um, Whenever we are taught in, in, well, at least when I was in school, when we were, uh, Andrew Jackson was mentioned, it was always about the Trail of Tears. Never once did they talk about how he kept Americans free for like, what, a few generations, 80 years, guys. How many generations is that? Four generations at least, right? Um, He kept Americans free from debt slavery. Okay. That's where we saw like a real boom in the industrial sector. Um, you know, uh, regulations, et cetera, going down. I mean, it was a time, a, at the time of the gold rush as well. You know, like all of this boom was happening when we did not have a central bank, we did not have an income tax, okay? An income tax, they tax your income. They tax you for the um, goods and monies that you make to survive. How immoral is that, right? It's also downright cons- unconstitutional ladies and gentlemen. So um, with that in mind, you know, for 80 years with no income tax, still somehow America was able to pay for its streets, its roads, its schools, its fire departments, its police departments for every single thing that taxpayer money should be taking care of. For 80 years, they were able to do that without an income tax. You know, honestly, I don't even know if they had an income tax or an IRS back in the first and second uh, uh, American Bank of America, right? First and second Bank of America. But, you know, uh, the income tax is kind of part and parcel with the central banking model. So they probably did, you know, uh, taxing their stamps and their paper, right? Um, So uh, yeah, unconstitutional, immoral, no IRS. Now someone might say, well, Mr. C, you know, back in the 1800s, they didn't have cities that were as big and they didn't have a population that was as uh, uh, maxed out, allegedly, as they do here today in 2022. And to that, I would probably say, yeah, you know, you forget that there were industrialized and booming cities, you know, like you had New York City, for example, you had Philadelphia, you know, you had all of these metropolises, that metropoli that were already in existence at that time. And they didn't have dirt roads and buggies. Maybe they had buggies, right? They didn't have cars yet, right? But, you know, they didn't have dirt roads, you know, they had street lamps and all that stuff. All that stuff had to be paid for. You know, they had public schools, they had police departments, all that good stuff, all that stuff that taxpayer money pays for. And uh, you could, I mean, I could also argue that based on that population, you know, uh, it was taking care of what they had. And the population has grown as the cities have grown. And so just imagine how much liquid currency or liquid uh, value our currency would have if we were not debt slaves. I mean, the uh, value of the dollar has already extinguished almost to like nothing. You know, it was at 99% extinguished, 98, 99% extinguished like back in 2008. Ladies and gentlemen, and with all the mass printing of money, with all the billions of dollars that we're sending to Nazis in Ukraine for purposes of the globalists and stuff like that, it just makes absolutely no sense that our dollars should not have gone into like hyperinflation already, right? We, sh- we should have been the way of Zimbabwe or Venezuela or the Weimar Republic, but they will, uh, they will rig and control... Uh, and manipulate uh, the economy as that is what the Federal Reserve Central Bank does. Ladies and gentlemen, that is specifically what they do. And they have already violated their charter. One, two, three strikes, they're out. They have not been able to uh, keep Americans working. They have not been able to stop inflation. And uh, we are basically back in a recession now, you know. And those were like two of the three tenants of their responsibilities as an official government body. They failed, ladies and gentlemen. They have failed. So uh, I don't see why we should have the Federal Reserve around anymore. I don't see why we should have a central bank, you know. Uh, I don't see why they should tax us for the money that we make to live and survive. I mean, it's like, it's like you know, when they tried to tax us for breathing, the carbon taxes, you know, the Paris Accords. Like, you're really going to tax us for every breath we take, you know? That is just downright ridiculous. And, you know, um, the fact that we can say these things or I can say these things, the fact that they're acknowledged, the fact that there is a place at the table for this type of discussion, guys, I mean, we wouldn't have it without our Bill of Rights, We wouldn't have it without our Constitution. We would not have it without these United States of America. Now, is that to say that this type of an experiment would not exist anywhere else in the world? Well, you know, I'm sure there are variations of it out there. I mean, they call them socialist countries, ladies and gentlemen, right? I mean, which basically America is at this point. It's just on paper and long forgotten. We're a constitutional republic, okay? We're not a democracy, okay? We're a democratic constitutional republic, if you want to get technical. But we're not a democracy. We're not a socialism uh, type of country. We're probably more communist now than we are socialist, honestly. Um, But anyhow, uh, we wouldn't have it if it weren't for... You know, our founding fathers for the patriots and the pilgrims who uh, fought for this country. And I'm not going back to 1492, guys. I know, I know, I know. We're going back to the first great enlightenment in the 1700s, where uh, things like the great renaissance or the renaissance, right? Uh, and, and also, um, you know, a growth in politics and government turned into this wild experiment called the United States of America, right? Right? Founded by the founding uh, uh, Illuminist. Um, <laughs> the founding Illuminist, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what, what what are those guys called again? Uh, Freemasons? Yeah. Sorry, guys. We talked about the Freemasons on uh, this weekend's episode of uh, See in the Dark, right? Uh, yeah. So anyways, we're, we're not going to go off into that topic here. We're, we're here to talk about the 4th of July. This country... And uh, some stories that we'll be sharing tonight will also involve, uh, well, you know it, election integrity measures that are taking place around our country in these United States, in our union of great states, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because there are so many developments happening right now. And, you know, it it just figures, right, that we would have like this, well, we had a mass shooting at what, a 4th of July um, parade ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, it's so interesting because where, like, for example, Tina Peters is totally forgotten about now. Like, Tina Peters did not win the Secretary of State primary race. Now, for America First, you know, election integrity people, that should be a huge story. And, uh, you know, I couldn't even, I mean, I found a couple of articles on it, right? And uh, not even really any many statements from Tina Peters. I've heard that uh, she is saying that it happened by fraud, which obviously, guys, like they still rigged their elections in Colorado. That has not ended yet. Um, has she given any detail on that? Well, I dare say she can't because the Secretary of Snakes, uh, Jenna Griswold, Um, did not allow her as the county clerk of Mesa County to um, observe and to administer the 2022 primary elections. Okay. They put a Democrat in the place and, and look at what happens, right? Look at what happens. You know, who won, you know, who won the secretary of state GOP primary um, in Colorado? I told you this was going to happen, guys. I told you. Go back to uh, the episode where we first start talking about Tina Peters and the Secretaries of Snakes and her opponents. I said, and and, uh, and I, I re- remember, and I, um, well, I don't quote, but uh, this is what I said. I said, oh, look, Pamela Anderson is running for Secretary of State in Colorado for the Republicans. You just know that people are going to vote for Pamela Anderson because she has... Name recognition on her side, and and who knows? Maybe they think. Maybe they think you know, Miss <laughs> uh, Old Jugs herself, Pamela Anderson, is actually the one who's running. You know, I mean, it was a county clerk, Pamela Anderson, but uh, Pamela Anderson, guys. I mean, what is the first vision that comes to the mind of uh, you know uh, <laughs> uh, perverted men? around the country whenever they hear the name Pamela Anderson. And they also just so happen to be voting in the Republican primary, you know, to, uh, to the uninitiated voter, to the low education voter, they might be like, oh, well, that name sounds pretty cool, right? She was, that was barbed wire right there, right? The, the comic book busty heroine. So why don't we just vote for Pamela Anderson? Cause I don't know who Tina Peters is. I don't know who this other joke is. And well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen, just like that. So Pamela Anderson. Anyways, guys. I know I just kind of gave you a rundown on Tina Peters. Um, We are not going to cover her story tonight. Okay, we're going to talk about other election integrity matters. Um, Actually, we'll be doing a special Secretary of State episode tomorrow. So stay tuned for that, guys, because I had a lot of uh, information. And as I found more and more in all of the uh, races that I want to talk about and everything that's been going on, I was like, this is just an entire episode. So why don't we focus on some non-secretary of state related topics for tonight as regards to um, election integrity goes. And let's celebrate the 4th of July, right? Let's celebrate the 4th of July. Um, housekeeping, guys. Housekeeping. I promise I'll only run this uh, bit of housekeeping for maybe another week or so. But uh, make sure you stop into Creport.com, ladies and gentlemen where you can get more information about the show I run here over at The Sea Report. <laughs> and uh, well, guys, you know, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a humble site and I think I've pretty much got it where I want it to be because America is awake, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, resources here for every episode. I think we're about one episode behind right now or maybe we're caught up on the resource. So, you know, any articles, any videos I share at The Sea Report, you can see I don't make it up myself, They are all linked over at TheSeaReport.com. You can get information on live shows. You can get information on the podcast that we run for The Sea Report um, and uh, the stations, the various stations that you can um, um, receive and subscribe to The Sea Report podcast, you know, because they say it's not really that healthy to drive and watch live streams, to jog and watch live streams, to be on a treadmill and watch live streams. You can take it to go on the podcast, get it in your earbuds and you can still get the same show and great information over at anchor.fm slash the C-Report. That's our home base there. Uh, you can find um, other um, podcasting stations or apps or platforms that you can hear the C-Report at. You can also donate to the C-Report and mister CTV um, on a monthly contribution or on a one-time contribution. If you'd so uh, choose to do so, that would definitely go a long way to support the work I do here at Mr. CTV and The C Report ladies and gentlemen. Um, so, you know, because say you don't want to listen to the C-Report on Spotify or Go Ogle Podcasts or Apple Podcasts because you're concerned about, you know, their uh, lack of in, of, um, of ethical, you know, um, values as far as censorship goes and the First Amendment and you don't want to support their platform or you don't want their trackers and their bots to be following you around or their cookies. Uh, well, definitely, ladies and gentlemen, uh, they do have resources at Anchor.com fm Report and also at the creport.com got a list about a dozen different platforms uh, for podcasts that you can uh, locate and uh, subscribe to the C report there as well so you don't have to support these big corporate tech giant sensor bots such as Spotify and Google and Apple. And you can still get the same, the same great news and support the podcast version of the show. Um, I would also encourage you all to stop on over to the C-Report. Well, actually, it's called the Mr. C-Store Shop Mr. C-TV. So you can get some uh, Mr. C merchandise. If you go to creport.com and you click on uh, the store um, button here in the top right-hand corner, it'll take you over to a page that will then um, uh, transmute you to the exclusive um, Mr. C-TV uh, merchandise store. Now, this is because you guys demanded it, okay? I was very much on the wire about even making merchandise, but you guys wanted it. So I decided to go ahead and um, comply to submit uh, to create. Uh, And uh, we actually have a brand new design, ladies and gentlemen. I am rather... I am rather excited about the design, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys like it too. Let me go ahead and bring this up bigger on the screen, guys. And let's remove this banner here so you can get a good view of our brand new design. Uh, so speaking of tomorrow's episode about the Secretaries of Snakes... Oh, did I say Secretaries of Snakes? I meant, oh, sorry, that's the Mr. CTV uh, store. My bad, shop Mr. CTV. Okay, all right. Our brand newest uh, shirt design is the Secretaries of Snakes shirt, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we have that available in several cuts, sizes, and colors. I chose to display the women's classic tee in pink um, because I actually had an audience member that was like, hey, can we get this in pink? Uh, So there you go. This is actually a first in a series. It'll probably be a two-part series, right? A big cliffhanger there. Uh, But we have here Jenna Griswold of Colorado, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver of New Mexico, and Jocelyn Benson, wretched Jocelyn Benson of Michigan, Secretaries of Snakes, ladies and gentlemen. Now, this is definitely a shirt and a design that I think people would kind of be like, what are you talking about? Uh, who are the secretaries of snakes? Why are they snakes? Who are these women who look so crazy on this shirt design, right? If you want it in gray, we got it in gray. Well, you know what? The computer's running slow. So no worries about the gray. Oh, here it comes. (laughs) Well, like I said, multiple colors. Um, But um, on the back of the shirt, guys, is where the wealth of information resides. And uh, no one has yet complained to me that I put too much type on the backs of shirts, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm going to keep on doing it. Let me tell you what we got here. So you get your Secretaries of snake shirt, you will also be educating your fellow Americans. The Office of Secretary of State takes an oath to protect their state constitution and the Constitution of the United States of America. In most states, they are the highest elected office in charge of overseeing, administering, and protecting our elections. In 2020, secretaries of state changed election law without legislative permission or the permission of the people. In several states, they lied about election security delayed or stopped investigations threatened those who that dared question them and ignored the evidence of election fraud and mismanagement that continues to grow to this day our vote is more than our voice without secure elections we have no freedom so there is the latest design ladies and gentlemen from shop Mr CTV in support of the C report That is our Secretaries of Snake Designs. Now, I'm going to go ahead and show you this also. It's another design for the Secretaries of Snakes. We have them also in, what is this, in a jersey format and in a full wraparound graphic format, which I think these are probably the coolest that I have done so far that I really like these. So, we got this as well. Can you imagine who wants to walk around with these swamp creatures on their shirt unless it is to call them out, right? Yeah, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, these are Democrats, so we can't really use the line, it's rhino hunting season on these. But on the back of this shirt, ladies and gentlemen, is the second design for the Secretaries of Snakes. This one features Katie Hobbs, Bradford Raffensperger, or I should say Katie Hobbs of Arizona, Bradford Raffensperger of Georgia, and Veronica DeGraffenreid of Pennsylvania. Former Acting Secretary of State, she has currently been, um, what do you call it? Uh, she's been promoted to a higher rank in uh, Governor Wolf's administration there in Pennsylvania. But uh, that, that little rat there threatening all the counties, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because they wanted to um, uh, look into the Dominion voting machines, right? And uh, telling them they couldn't do it. Uh, she was... Very instrumental in um, circumventing election integrity in the state of Pennsylvania. So I figured I'd slap her face on a shirt alongside with these other two secretaries of snakes, Katie Hobbs and Bradford Raffensperger, and uh, call it call it a design, ladies and gentlemen. I'll show you the other one as well. Uh, this one yeah, has a little bit more clarity. But yeah, I mean, like I said, these are full wraparound um, print shirts. So I think they're pretty cool. I can't wait to get my own, and, and when I do, rest assured, ladies and gentlemen, I will let you know. And on the back as well, on this one, is the uh, Katie Hobbs, Bradford, and De and Reed um, design for this series of shirts, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, currently, we only have available uh, design number one, and I will get design number two up as soon as possible, uh, when I say that, I mean, uh, it's only available on like, uh, your standard, you know, unisex shirt, uh, female shirt, tank top, etc. Do I have the tank top up here or no? Oh, we got them in socks as well. Ladies and gentlemen, you can, don't step on the snake. You can get your secretaries of snake socks also at shop. Mr. C ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and there's our t-shirt for it's rhino hunting season. You know, like I said, uh, as soon as I am able to get my, um, uh, shirts in, I will definitely share that with you guys, but you could also get it yourself because uh, to honor and celebrate the 4th of July, uh, we're currently running a discount over at Shop Mr. C. Uh, We're doing a 17% discount using coupon code 1776REBORN, all one word. That is 1776REBORN, ladies and gentlemen, at Shop Mr. C. And you can get... Your, um, your own favorite uh, Mr. C TV or the C Report or Mr. C um, item, swag, merchandise. Uh, this one I feel is just, this is also one of my favorite here, ladies and gentlemen, it's also one of my favorites. Uh, but I'll show you a couple more designs, guys, since we're running this uh, discount right now over at Shop Mr. C. Again, go to Creport.com, click on store, and it'll take you right over to the Shop Mr. C TV official C Report merchandise store. We got our kofefe right? I I won't belabor you guys with the definition of kofefe. We've gone over it so many times here at the C Report. Classic Mr. C TV logo design. Uh, The C Report with that mug on the shirt. I don't know if I'll get that one. I think it would be kind of weird walking around with a shirt with my face on it. Uh, The classic news design. And uh, I already have this one. I've shown it to you guys before. And I got to say, guys, you know... When I first started doing the C Report, or sorry, the Mr. C Store, Mr. C TV Store, I did not want to even promote it until I knew that the merchandise was quality. Um, The shirts have gone through several washes. They've not peeled, they've not faded. I also have uh, my Mr. C TV News mug here, ladies and gentlemen. It's gone through several dishwashings. And uh, yeah, the design has held. The color has held. I mean, it's. It's really good quality stuff, guys. So, you know, I wouldn't push something that is gonna desi- is gonna fade and tear on you guys in like a week or in three washes for that matter. But anyhow, so uh, there you go, guys. You can also, we also have, like I showed you the mug, we also have some glassware. You know, we got other things. We got stickers, we got socks, we got um, pillows. Uh, we got, uh, you know, various things, uh, utility pouches, etc. Uh, this is also a very popular design here, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, General Victoria Mark Milley. Now, that's a running joke here at the Sea Report. We we refer to Mark Milley as Victoria Mark Milley since he decided to show up with his lipstick and his press-on nails, ladies and gentlemen. You know he better put, you know he better uh, stick those press-on nails pretty tight because he don't want them flopping around at any of those fancy nightclubs that he goes to, ladies and gentlemen. So there is uh, General Victoria Mark Milley. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, the name of this design is Everything Woke Turns to Shit. And it is also on the coffee mug ladies and gentlemen. So please do visit the uh, Mr. CTV store, ladies and gentlemen, by way of um, um, thecereport.com and uh, use coupon code 1776REBORN, all one word, 1776REBORN, and get your 17% discount today. Support what I do here at The C Report and you also get some pretty cool swag, right? Um... Well, I think so anyways. It's informative. It's funny. It's fashionable. (laughs) Go and shop today. All right, guys. Now we're done with housekeeping. Just had to get that out there, ladies and gentlemen. Let me stop into the chat room real quick. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I know I'm coming to you guys a little bit later than usual, but I had a very, very busy day exercising my um, God-given rights by way of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and... um, the foundation and the creation and the hmm. sustainment of our country. What was I doing today? Well, you know, you'll have to read the book to find out about that, ladies and gentlemen. But it was a very, very busy day. I was out on the streets all day today. Ooh, it was so hot. It was very hot indeed, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, let's see what we got going on here, ladies and gentlemen, over at thefoxhold.apphill.net. Uh, Two Rivers is in the house. Happy Independence Day from British and Illuminati globalist rule. Huh. You know, I mean, you got to insert those nuggets of truth no matter how much they sting, ladies and gentlemen, because otherwise, how are we going to fix the problem, right? If knowing is half the battle, we need to know. Uh, We're pretty much still part of the crown, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I think that was the overall architecture of what they were doing. But of course, I guess those who decided that did not really observe any nationalistic integrity or respect anyway, so they knew what they were doing. But, uh, well, that's why they called this the Grand Experiment, right? The Grand Experiment, which I believe, and I know you guys do too, that in history it will not be called a Grand Experiment anymore it will be referred to as uh, the Great Replacement. Ooh. <laughs> no, not the Great Replacement, but, uh, you know, the Great, uh, let's see, it would be called the Great, hmm, what would be a great way to describe this? Because it's not an experiment, guys. It, it is, it is, well, it is, it is a great way of um, governing your people. Oh, because the people self govern, ladies and gentlemen. In this here land of America, or at least that's what we're supposed to do. We're relearning what self-governance is all about, ladies and gentlemen. We're relearning what that is all about. We can thank the Biden regime for that. We can thank the theft of the elections by both the Democrat Party and the Republican Party for that. Because of everything that they have done, this uniparty and all of these three-letter agencies and all of these uh, globalist entities have taught, have reminded us, at least we people here in America, that we are those who self-govern. Now, there is a lot of elbow grease involved in that, ladies and gentlemen. There is a lot of legwork. But that is part of the... Plan. Okay? So anyhow, guys, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. And it's very good to know. And I'm not the only one that sees this, guys. Any Anyone who is not just currently studying election fraud, but is actually actively involved in the elections process, anyone who is actually involved in the elections process can testify that the people have remembered about self-governance because... Precincts are getting swarmed with American citizens, the people of this country, that want to be involved. They want to participate in this process of self-governance. What a concept, right? What a concept. You know, and it is in our nature to want to be trusting and to want to look at the bright side and want to, you know, uh, rely on those whom we have elected but guys you know if we don't learn from everything that we've experienced to this point in our nation's history and in our own personal history when we reflect and when we um you know a mole over and think about ponder the things that we've witnessed in our own lifetimes respective or sorry relatively speaking to each and every single individual out there and if we're at all honest with ourselves we can definitely say we should have learned something from everything that we have uh, witnessed and experienced, at least in our lifetimes. Don't even got to uh, go back and study all the conspiracy theories of the past. Uh, We can just look at what happened in 2020. I mean, it's that easy to identify. Uh, let's see here. Disco Ball Chaser, thank you for dropping the link in the chat room for the thecreport.com to get your Mr. C merchandise. <laughs> Very much appreciated. Uh, <laughs> who are them heifers? I don't... Oh, yeah, you're talking about the Secretaries of Snakes, aren't ya? Well, you know, the state of Texas, much like this, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, has a lot of problems with their Office of Secretary of State. Now, not all states and commonwealths have an elected secretary of state in some states and commonwealths like Pennsylvania and like Texas, they are appointed and they have to go through a uh, Senate hearing uh, to be approved. Now, I would love to find out. We need to pass a resolution, right? Maybe I need to make a big ruckus. At the next GOP meeting, and I've said my piece, amen, that the uh, office of the Secretary of Snakes in Texas needs to be an elected office. We cannot have them appointed anymore. And maybe, just maybe, we'll have one Secretary of State per term, per governor, just as it is written in the Texas Constitution. Ladies and gentlemen, we won't have five or six Secretaries of Snakes underneath Abbott, for example. Uh, who all fly the coop once they've done their part of rigging and stealing elections, just like in Pennsylvania, ladies and gentlemen. You had Bro- Brooke Var, you had the De- De Reed, and whoever else they have there now. I don't remember the names, the lady's name, but that's what they, that's the, that's the con, that's the scheme. You know, fire them, promote them, let them uh, pursue other interests, but they never fulfill their term. They're only there to do a job, And it's actually the Deputy Secretary of State in Texas that runs the show here. He's the one that wrote the Secretary of State's supposed forensic audit of the 2020 election here in Texas, which I might add, they have not even published the second part of the audit. I was on the Secretary of State's page just yesterday and nope, nowhere to be found. It was to be completed by April. We are now in July, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, our current secretary of state, the sixth or fifth one, says that was my audit. Yep, I'm the one who created it. B.S. ladies and gentlemen, I call him out. What is his name? Uh, John Christopher or Chris Johnson or something like that. I don't even know his name. I mean, I know his name. It's John or Chris. He has two first names anyways. But John or Chris, Chris or John, whatever it is, Fifth or sixth appointed Secretary of Snakes under Abbott. Doing a con job. Yeah. Texas needs to be able to elect that office. So got to figure that out one. Got to figure that one out, y'all. Anyhow, uh, let's see here. What else do we got? Ah, Anka, I was going to say Aquavanka. Ankavanka is in the house. Good evening, Ankavanka. Good to see you, my love. Uh, Mr. C, here is a cool vid for you to play. Oh, what is this? Uh, a video on Ukraine. Special military operation. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, We'll probably do a Russia-Ukraine episode sometime this week. So I will definitely put that in the queue, so to speak. Much love and thank you again. Oh, wait. You had two video links in there. Hmm those short URLs. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll take a gander though. Thank you, Anka Vonka, And good to see you in the audience. Yes. The great awakening says, um, um, Mr. Two, to say two flowers. Okay. If you guys know Terry Pratchett, you know who two flowers is. Two Rivers, the member of the audience just got a brand new show over at the foxhole. So congrats to that, my friend. Uh, Let's see what else we got going on in here. We got Dixie in the house. Good evening, Dixie says, I love your suit. Well, thank you very much, ma'am or sir. Sorry, I can't really see the little uh, picture there, but uh, thank you again. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into some President Trump statements. Now, over the course of the weekend and maybe Thursday and Friday, uh, President Trump released another battery of statements about the January Unselect Committee, about this uh, lying Cassidy Hutchinson. He even cracked a really funny joke about um, whether or not Cassidy Hutchinson was related to Asa Hutchinson, the former governor of, uh, was it Alabama or Arkansas? Anyways, well, I guess you had to be there, guys, to get the joke. (coughs) But anyhow, or you need to know about Asa Hutchinson, right? So uh, let's let's get to some of these statements. Um, We're not going to look at any of them because we're going to we're going to talk about J six and probably sometime between Wednesday and Friday. Because tomorrow's the Secretary of Snakes episode, so make sure you tune into that one, guys. You can find out about all of the um, um, Secretary of State races and all of the shenanigans that are going on right now, ladies and gentlemen, about some of the hope that we have for the office and for other America First um, candidates. So let's see, what does President Trump have for us today? Um, Well, this one was from today on the the 4th of July. America first. I agree, ladies and gentlemen. And I like America first much better than I like make America great again. Now, don't get me wrong. I love make America great again. I'm kind of a little eh about MAGA, right? Pardon me. If you guys know what the word MAGA is associated with, you know, I would rather, anytime I see MAGA, I would just rather say the acronym rather than say MAGA, because I'm that kind of a guy. But America First, ladies and gentlemen, we're not talking about Nick Fuentes and his little, um, you know, influence operation and, uh, you know, uh, his, his little operation to try and destroy and vilify uh, Trump supporters and America First patriots and all that, you know, we're not talking about him. <clears throat> And the only reason why I still say his name, trust me, he doesn't live rent-free in my brain, okay, in my mind. But I still say his name because that is what it is, okay? It is, and you know, well, again, I mean, I will I will pause and say I don't have the sauce, but through analysis of the crap I see and the events that have occurred that surround that little booger, okay, you know, um, I, I very well feel like I can say that that is an influence operation that is intended to vilify patriots and it is intended to demonize us and it is intended to create an easy target for the left and the progressives and the legacy media to pin um, events and stories on patriots and awake Americans because that is everything that we have seen out of Nick Fuentes's America First. Um... And I think also, if I were to expand the trajectory of that show, I would say they probably planned to take him down had Trump gotten a second term, optically speaking, in office, or what have you, when it comes out that he's gay. Anyways, because, you know, he's he's adamantly, um, what, what is he called? He's like, um self self celibant, right or something like that and he believes that if you have sex with a woman that that is far more gayer than homosexual sodomy go figure guys i mean that's how they're going to take him out they are going to be like in another shocking news america first uh trump supporter nick fuentes is discovered to be gay and then bam he's gone bam he's gone ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Sorry, we did some mag bitter Truth in a Sea epi- in the Dark episode, and so uh, i actually have been saying BAM all night, all day today, so I need to, if I say BAM, ladies and gentlemen, that's where that's coming from. All right, uh, I am just getting far too long. Here is President Trump's next statement for today. It goes this way. So the lowlifes rigged and stole a presidential election, and I'm the one who is on trial. We are truly a nation of decline. Now, to be fair, uh, that statement did hit the uh, truth social streams uh, approximately two days ago. So that was kind of like your lead-in to the 4th of July and his America first statement, right? My uh, slides here are just out of order. Here's another one. Let's see. This is from, actually, this is from uh, the dawn of the 4th of July, 2022. And it says this. I know it's not looking good for our country right now with a major war raging out of control in Europe, the highest inflation in memory, the worst six month stock market start in history, the highest energy prices ever. And that is the good news. Happy 4th of July. Don't worry, we will make America great again. And remember, none of these terrible events would have happened if I were president. Truer words were never said. And uh, I'm not the only one who believes that. My audience is not the only one who believes that. Uh, People around America now believe that. And we'll uh, close up President Trump's statements with make America great again. you know what, that was appropriate actually. Thank you, universe, for lining up those series of slides in such a great way. From Make America uh, America First, to everything that's gone wrong with it, to Make America Great Again. Another statement coming on this, the 4th of July, 2022, ladies and gentlemen. And that is the word bird from our president, Donald J. Trump. All right, guys, so... Let's get into tonight's Sea Report. What are we going to talk about? Well, you know, we're not quite done with the 4th of July just yet. Ladies and gentlemen, I was like, what are we going to do for the 4th of July here? You know, should we talk about the history of America? Should we talk about the wars? Should we talk about the founding fathers? You know, or should I regale you all with, hmm, well, with a speech by... Our president Donald Trump uh, President Trump gave a speech in two thousand and twenty at Mount Rushmore on the Fourth of July, and I remember in two thousand twenty one everyone was like, "Are you going to go see President Trump talk at you know Mount Rushmore this Fourth of July?" and you know back then I was like, "Ooh, I want to go you know, and I was talking with some of the friends and we were like kind of making generic plans and stuff like that. And it didn't happen. You know, some some con artist spread that seed of uh, lies and ignorance to all the patriots and got their hopes up. But he did give a speech in 2020. I don't know if any of you all have had the opportunity to hear it. Actually, I have not. So um, we'll be hearing it for the first time here together, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard it yet. And if you have heard it yet, have, if you have heard it yet, <laughs> if you have heard it, well, now you can go get your snacks. You can go use the bathroom. You can uh, do a little fox hopping uh, because uh, we ain't done yet with the news for tonight. Uh, I predict yeah, we'll probably be here at least until midnight tonight. We'll, we'll close out 4th of July with the Sea Report, ladies and gentlemen. So I hope you stick along. I hope you return because we've got election integrity stories coming up after this speech by our president, Donald Trump at the 2020 July 4th celebration at Mount Rushmore. Please do enjoy, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Well, thank you very much. And Governor Nome, Secretary Bernhardt, we very much appreciate it. Members of Congress, distinguished guests, and a very special hello to South Dakota. As we begin this Fourth of July weekend, the First Lady and I would wish each and every one of you a very, very happy Independence Day. Thank you. Let us show our appreciation to the South Dakota Army and Air National Guard and the U.S. Air Force for inspiring us with that magnificent display of American air power. And, of course, our gratitude, as always, to the legendary and very talented Blue Angels. Thank you very much. Let us also send our deepest thanks to our wonderful veterans, law enforcement, first responders, and the doctors, nurses, and scientists working tirelessly to kill the virus. They are working hard. I want to thank them very, very much. We're grateful as well to your state's congressional delegation. Senator John Thune. John, thank you very much. Senator Mike Rounds. Thank you, Mike. And Dusty Johnson, Congressman. Hi, Dusty. Thank you. And all others with us tonight from Congress. Thank you very much for coming. We appreciate it. There could be no better place to celebrate America's independence than beneath this magnificent, incredible, majestic mountain monument to the greatest Americans who have ever lived. Today, we pay tribute to the exceptional lives and extraordinary legacies of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, and Teddy Roosevelt. I am here as your president to proclaim before the country and before the world, this monument will never be desecrated. These heroes will never be defaced. Their legacy will never, ever be destroyed. Their achievements will never be forgotten. And Mount Rushmore will stand forever as an eternal tribute to our forefathers, and to our freedom. We gather tonight to herald the most important day in the history of nations. July 4th, 1776. At those words, every American heart should swell with pride. Every American family should cheer with delight. And every American patriot should be filled with joy. Because each of you lives in the most magnificent country in the history of the world. And it will soon be greater than ever before. Our founders launched not only a revolution in government, but a revolution in the pursuit of justice, equality, liberty and prosperity. No nation has done more to advance the human condition than the United States of America. And no people have done more to promote human progress than the citizens of our great nation. It was all made possible by the courage of 56 patriots who gathered in Philadelphia 244 years ago and signed the Declaration of Independence. They enshrined a divine truth that changed the world forever when they said, All men are created equal. These immortal words set in motion the unstoppable march of freedom. Our founders boldly declared that we are all endowed with the same divine rights given us by our creator in heaven. And that which God has given us, we will allow no one ever to take away ever 1776 represented the culmination of thousands of years of Western civilization and the triumph of not only spirit, but of wisdom, philosophy, and reason. And yet, as we meet here tonight, there is a growing danger that threatens every blessing our ancestors fought so hard for, struggled, they bled to secure. Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, to fame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. Angry mobs are trying to tear down statues of our founders to face our most sacred memorials and unleash a wave of violent crime in our cities. Many of these people have no idea why they are doing this, but some know exactly what they are doing. They think the American people are weak and soft and submissive. But no, the American people are strong and proud, and they will not allow our country and all of its values, history, and culture to be taken from them one of their political weapons is cancel culture driving people from their jobs shaming dissenters and demanding total submission from anyone who disagrees. This is the very definition of totalitarianism, and it is completely alien to our culture and to our values, and it has absolutely no place in the United States of America. This attack on our liberty, our magnificent liberty, must be stopped, and it will be stopped very quickly. We will expose this dangerous movement, protect our nation's children, end this radical assault, and preserve our beloved American way of life. In our schools, our newsrooms, even our corporate boardrooms, there is a new far-left fascism that demands absolute allegiance. If you do not speak its language, perform its rituals, recite its mantras, and follow its commandments, then you will be censored, banished, blacklisted, persecuted, and punished. It's not going to happen to us. Make no mistake, this left-wing cultural revolution is designed to overthrow the American Revolution. In so doing, they would destroy the very civilization that rescued billions from poverty, disease, violence, and hunger, and that lifted humanity to new heights of achievement, discovery, and progress. To make this possible, They are determined to tear down every statue, symbol, and memory of our national heritage. (laughs) That's very true, actually. That is why I am deploying federal law enforcement to protect our monuments, arrest the rioters and prosecute offenders to the fullest extent of the law. I am pleased to report that yesterday federal agents arrested the suspected ringleader of the attack on the statue of the great Andrew Jackson in Washington, D.C. And in addition, hundreds more have been arrested. Under the executive order I signed last week, pertaining to the Veterans Memorial Preservation and Recognition Act, and other laws, people who damage or deface federal statues or monuments will get a minimum of 10 years in prison. And obviously, that includes our beautiful Mount Rushmore. Our people have a great memory. They will never forget the destruction of statues and monuments to George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, abolitionists, and many others. The violent mayhem we have seen in the streets and cities that are run by liberal Democrats in every case is the predictable result of years of extreme indoctrination and bias in education, journalism, and other cultural institutions. Against every law of society and nature, our children are taught in school to hate their own country and to believe that the men and women who built it were not heroes, but that were villains, the radical, view of American history is a web of lies. All perspective is removed. Every virtue is obscured. Every motive is twisted. Every fact is distorted. And every flaw is magnified until the history is purged and the record is disfigured beyond all recognition. This movement is openly attacking the legacies of every person on Mount Rushmore. They defile the memory of Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and Roosevelt. Today, we will set history and history's records straight.
0: What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At com, you can get more information on The Sea Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to com. that's com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and net.
1: When he stepped down after two terms, his former adversary, King George, called him the greatest man of the age. He remains first in our hearts to this day. For as long as Americans love this land, we will honor and cherish the father of our country, George Washington. He will never be removed, abolished, and most of all, he will never be forgotten. Thomas Jefferson, the great Thomas Jefferson, was 33 years old when he traveled north to Pennsylvania and brilliantly authored one of the greatest treasures of human history, the Declaration of Independence. He also drafted Virginia's Constitution and conceived and wrote the Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom, a model for our cherished First Amendment. After serving as the first Secretary of State and then Vice President, he was elected to the presidency. He ordered American warriors to crush barbary pirates. He doubled the size of our nation with the Louisiana purchase. And he sent the famous explorers Lewis and Clark into the West on a daring expedition to the Pacific Ocean. He was an architect, an inventor, a diplomat, a scholar, the founder of one of the world's great universities and an ardent defender of liberty. Americans will forever admire the author of American freedom, Thomas Jefferson. And he too will never, ever be abandoned by us. Abraham Lincoln, the savior of our union, was a self-taught country lawyer who grew up in a log cabin on the American frontier. The first Republican president, he rose to high office from obscurity based on a force and clarity of his anti-slavery convictions, very, very strong convictions. He signed the law that built the Transcontinental Railroad. He signed the Homestead Act, given to some incredible scholars as simply defined ordinary citizens, free land to settle anywhere in the American West. And he led the country through the darkest hours of American history, giving every ounce of strength that he had to ensure that government of the people, by the people, and for the people, did not perish from this earth. He served as Commander-in-Chief of the U.S. Armed Forces during our bloodiest war the struggle that saved our union and extinguished the evil of slavery. Over 600,000 died in that war. More than 20,000 were killed or wounded in a single day in Antietam. At Gettysburg, 157 years ago, the union bravely withstood an assault of nearly 15,000 men and threw back Pickett's charge. Lincoln won the Civil War. He issued the Emancipation Proclamation. He led the passage of the 13th Amendment, abolishing slavery for all time. And ultimately, his determination to preserve our nation and our union cost him his life. For as long as we live, Americans will uphold and revere the immortal memory of President Abraham Lincoln. Theodore Roosevelt exemplified the unbridled confidence of our national culture and identity. He saw the tower grandeur of America's mission in the world, and he pursued it with overwhelming energy and zeal. As a lieutenant colonel during the Spanish-American War, he led the famous Rough Riders to defeat the enemy at San Juan Hill. He cleaned up corruption as police commissioner of New York City, then served as the governor of New York, vice president, and at 42 years old, became the youngest ever president of the United States. He sent our great new naval fleet around the globe to announce America's arrival as a world power. He gave us many of our national parks, including the Grand Canyon. He oversaw the construction of the awe-inspiring Panama Canal. And he is the only person ever awarded both the Nobel Peace Prize and the Congressional Medal of Honor. He was American freedom personified in full. The American people will never relinquish the bold, beautiful, and untamed spirit of Theodore Roosevelt. No movement that seeks to dismantle these treasured American legacies can possibly have A love of America at its heart can't happen. No person who remains quiet at the destruction of this resplendent heritage can possibly lead us to a better future. The radical ideology attacking our country advances under the banner of social justice. But in truth, It would demolish both justice and society. It would transform justice into an instrument of division and vengeance. And it would turn our free and inclusive society into a place of repression, domination and exclusion. They want to silence us. But we will not be silenced. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We will state the truth in full without apology. We declare that the United States of America is the most just and exceptional nation ever to exist on Earth. We are proud of the fact that our country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And we understand that these values have dramatically advanced the cause of peace and justice throughout the world. We know that the American family is the bedrock of American life. We recognize the solemn right and moral duty of every nation to secure its borders. And we are building the wall. We remember that governments exist to protect the safety and happiness of their own people. A nation must care for its own citizens first. we must take care of America first, its time. We believe in equal opportunity, equal justice, and equal treatment for citizens of every race, background, religion, and creed. Every child of every color, born and unborn, is made in the holy image of God. We want free and open debate, not speech codes, and cancel culture. We embrace tolerance, not prejudice. We support the courageous men and women of law enforcement. We will never abolish our police or our great Second Amendment, which gives us the right to keep and bear arms. We believe that our children should be taught to love their country, honor their history, and respect our great American flag. We stand tall, we stand proud, and we only kneel to Almighty God. This is who we are. This is what we believe. And these are the values that will guide us as we strive to build an even better and greater future. Those who seek to erase our heritage want Americans to forget our pride and our great dignity, so that we can no longer understand ourselves or America's destiny. In toppling the heroes of 1776, they seek to dissolve the bonds of love and loyalty that we feel for our country and that we feel for each other. Their goal is not a better America. Their goal is to end America. In its place, they want power for themselves. But just as patriots did in centuries past, the American people will stand in their way, and we will win, and win quickly and with great dignity. We will never let them rip America's heroes from our monuments or from our hearts. By tearing down Washington and Jefferson, these radicals would tear down the very heritage for which men gave their lives to win the Civil War. They would erase the memory that inspired those soldiers to go to their deaths, singing these words of the battle hymn of the Republic. As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free while God is marching on. They would tear down the principles that propelled the abolition of slavery and ultimately around the world ending an evil institution that had plagued humanity for thousands and thousands of years. Our opponents would tear apart the very documents that Martin Luther King used to express his dream and the ideas that were the foundation of the Righteous Movement for Civil Rights. They would tear down the beliefs, culture, and identity that have made America the most vibrant and tolerant society in the history of the Earth. My fellow Americans, it is time to speak up loudly and strongly and powerfully and defend the integrity of our country. It is time for our politicians to summon the bravery and determination of our American ancestors. It is time. It is time to plant our flag and to protect the greatest of this nation for citizens of every race in every city and every part of this glorious land. For the sake of our honor, for the sake of our children, for the sake of our union, we must protect and preserve our history, our heritage, and our great heroes. Here tonight, before the eyes of our forefathers, Americans declare again, as we did 244 years ago, that we will not be tyrannized, we will not be demeaned, and we will not be intimidated by bad, evil people. It will not happen. We will proclaim the ideals of the Declaration of Independence, and we will never surrender the spirit and the courage and the cause of July 4th, 1776. Upon this ground, we will stand firm and unwavering. In the face of lies meant to divide us, demoralize us, and diminish us, We will show that the story of America unites us, inspires us, includes us all, and makes everyone free. We must demand that our children are taught once again to see America, as did Reverend Martin Luther King when he said that the founders had signed a promissory note to every future generation. Dr. King saw that the mission of justice required us to fully embrace our founding ideals. Those ideals are so important to us. the Founding ideals. He called on his fellow citizens not to rip down their heritage, but to live up to their heritage. Above all, our children from every community must be taught that to be American is to inherit the spirit of the most adventurous and confident people ever to walk the face of the earth. Americans are the people who pursued our manifest destiny across the ocean, into the uncharted wilderness, over the tallest mountains, and then into the skies, and even into the stars. We are the country of Andrew Jackson, Ulysses S. Grant, and Frederick Douglass. We are the land of Wild Bill Hickok and Buffalo Bill Cody. We are the nation that gave rise to the Wright brothers, the Tuskegee Airmen, Harriet Tubman, Clara Barton, Jesse Owens, George Patton, General George Patton, the great Louis Armstrong, Alan Shepard, Elvis Presley, and Muhammad Ali. And only America could have produced them all. No other place. We are the culture that put up the Hoover Dam, laid down the highways, and sculpted the skyline of Manhattan. We are the people who dreamed a spectacular dream. It was called Las Vegas in the Nevada desert, who built up Miami from the Florida Marsh, and who carved our heroes into the face of Mount Rushmore. Americans harnessed electricity, split the atom, and gave the world the telephone and the Internet. We settled the Wild West, won two world wars, landed American astronauts on the moon, And one day, very soon, we will plant our flag on Mars. We gave the world the poetry of Walt Whitman, the stories of Mark Twain, the songs of Irving Berlin, the voice of Ella Fitzgerald. The style of Frank Sinatra, the comedy of Bob Hope, the power of the Saturn V rocket, the toughness of the Ford F 150, and the awesome might of the American aircraft carriers. Americans must never lose sight of this miraculous story. We should never lose sight of it. Nobody has ever done it like we have done it. So, today, under the authority vested in me, as President of the United States, I am announcing the creation of a new monument to the giants of our past. I am signing an executive order to establish the National Guard of American Heroes, a vast outdoor park that will feature the statues of the greatest Americans to ever live. From this night, and from this magnificent place, let us go forward united in our purpose and rededicated in our resolve. We will raise the next generation of American patriots. We will write the next thrilling chapter of the American adventure. And we will teach our children to know that they live in a land of legends, that nothing can stop them, and that no one can hold them down. They will know that in America, you can do anything, you can be anything, and together, we can achieve anything. Uplifted by the titans of Mount Rushmore. We will find unity that no one expected. We will make strides that no one thought possible. This country will be everything that our citizens have hoped for for so many years. And that our enemies fear. Because we will never forget that the American freedom exists for American greatness, and that's what we have, American greatness. (laughs) Centuries from now, our legacy will be the cities we built, the champions we forged, the good that we did, and the monuments we created to inspire us all. My fellow citizens america's destiny is in our sights america's heroes are embedded in our hearts america's future is in our hands and ladies and gentlemen the best is yet to come America is a land of heroes. A place where greatness is born, where destinies are forged, and where legends come to life. This is the home of Thomas Edison and Teddy Roosevelt, of many great generals, including Washington, Pershing, Patton, and MacArthur. This is the home of Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, Amelia Earhart, Harriet Tubman, the Wright Brothers, Neil Armstrong, and so many more. This is the country where children learn names like Wyatt Earp, Davy Crockett, and Annie Oakley. This is the place where the Pilgrims landed at Plymouth, and where Texas Patriots made their last stand at the Alamo. The American nation was carved out of the vast frontier by the toughest, strongest, fiercest, and most determined men and women ever to walk on the face of the earth. Our ancestors braved the unknown, tamed the wilderness, settled the Wild West, lifted millions from poverty, disease, and hunger, vanquished tyranny and fascism, ushered the world to new heights of science and medicine, laid down the railroads, dug out the canals, Raised up the skyscrapers. Our ancestors built the most exceptional republic ever to exist in all of human history. And we are making it greater than ever before. This is our glorious and magnificent inheritance. We are Americans. We are pioneers. We are the pathfinders. We settled the new world. We built the modern world, and we changed history forever by embracing the eternal truth that everyone is made equal by the hand of Almighty God. America is the place where anything can happen. America is the place where anyone can rise. And here, on this land, on this soil, on this continent, the most incredible dreams come true. This nation is our canvas, and this country is our masterpiece. We look at tomorrow and see unlimited frontiers just waiting to be explored. Our brightest discoveries are not yet known. Our most thrilling stories are not yet told. Our grandest journeys are not yet made. The American age the American epic the American adventure has only just begun our spirit is still young the Sun is still rising God's grace is still shining and my fellow Americans the best is yet to come
0: That there, ladies and gentlemen, is an oldie, but a goodie, as they say, um, in that manner of speak, ladies and gentlemen. So I hope you guys enjoyed that presentation of President Trump at Mount Rushmore. Like I said, I'd never seen it. Um, I heard there was a legend of President Trump speaking at Mount <laughs> Rushmore, uh, but Obviously, some great sound clips came out of that uh, speech as well. It's always a great time. It's always great to hear the president speak, President Trump speak. So uh, I, think, I think he and his team of speechwriters, let's be real. You know, obviously he has speechwriters, all presidents do. They'll probably go down as some of the greatest speeches ever written and uh, ever uh, spoken. Um, in uh, that capacity. I have no doubt whatsoever, ladies and gentlemen, no one can give a speech like President Trump in. Granted, that might be in part of uh, the fact that he's he he was given the duty of restoring the republic, you know, and uh, man, you can get some great stuff out of that type of a venture. But indeed, it's not just a venture to us, ladies and gentlemen. It is indeed a uh, a goal, it is the prize that our eyes are set on. And so I thank you all for being here again at The Sea Report on this 4th of July... Monday night, 2022. I hope you all are doing well. Enjoyed that speech. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, happy 4th of July to you all out there. Wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, Tessa, Michelle, and Sumter53 hanging out over there in the live chat room at uh, Rumble, our Rumble page. Thank you for joining us and uh, thank you for being here. And um, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of tonight's show. And all future shows. You know, the one thing about the Rumble is, like, on Rumble, I also post clips of the C-Report. So if uh, there's ever a topic or there's ever a segment or if I just say something that I decided to clip out that you might find particularly wacky or entertaining i do that sometimes right i try and stick to the stories but sometimes i'm like i can't believe i said that i'm gonna clip that out anyways so you can go check it out over there digestible nuggets of mr c ladies and gentlemen that do not flush easily okay so (laughs) with that said guys let's press on with tonight's show Uh, So we can uh, finish up this happy, merry 4th of July. I hear the fireworks going off a little bit in the background outside. Um, Not a whole lot going on, you know, like uh, a few years ago, man, uh, I was uh, associated with an individual who just loved popping firecrackers. So... Man, every New Year's, every 4th of July, like I felt like, dang, I never celebrated the 4th of July like this before. We would just get a truckload of, uh, not literally, but uh, for lack of a better term, like buttload, um, (laughs) uh, firecrackers and just pop them all night long. But anyhow, so, all right, guys, just uh, reporting what I hear. They're not gunshots. They are fireworks. (laughs) Okay, guys, so what do we have on the rest of the menu for tonight, ladies and gentlemen? What do we have on the menu for tonight? Election integrity stories, election fraud stories, election stories. Guys, these are, uh, this is the substance that I believe makes up this era or this moment in our nation's history. If they're going to write about, you know, This moment in time, as far as our nation's history goes in the future, in historical texts and books, uh, obviously they'll talk about the presidencies, they'll talk about, uh, you know, if, if the victor writes the history, They will talk about how the Biden regime was a false administration, uh, that there was a coup of these United States that in fact had been worked up through decades, if not from the very founding of this nation uh, where political parties are concerned. Um, As you see all of that history that they have changed the victors thus far. So uh, we need to do everything that we can, ladies and gentlemen, to ensure that they do not maintain control of that pen and paper because right now it is all about the pen and paper. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not doing it kinetic style, right? We're not busting out our guns and ammunition. Uh, We are fighting it in a different way. This is irregular warfare. Well, we will counter you with irregular warfare. Um, To the bad guys, though, that is sometimes known as lawfare. Uh, But that is not the only type of pen and paper Um, you know, a battle that we can do with them. So, you know, there's that good old uh, thought that we uh, were talking about earlier called self-governance and participating in our constitutional republic. And that is what it is going to take. So let's get into these stories, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, The first story we have for you guys tonight is a victory out of the state of Wisconsin. Wisconsin. We have Landglade County, Wisconsin Republican Party passing a resolution to reject the 2020 election results. That's right. Quick on the heels of the state of Texas. Quick on the heels of Maricopa County, Arizona, GOP. Uh, We have yet another um, um, Republican um, uh, officials for a county passing this resolution, how many more do you think we're going to see, ladies and gentlemen, before the caged bird sings? Hmm, good question. Let's see what the story has to say. Uh, so this here is a copy of the resolution from the Langlade County Republican Party. Let's go ahead and take a gander. Uh, we'll review this first so we can uh, see what is going on. What are they thinking? What are they saying? And why are they doing it? from the Republican Party of Langlade County, Wisconsin, dated June 30th, 2022. Whereas in solidarity with the Republican Party of Texas and the Republican Party of Maricopa County, Arizona, and their recent resolutions to reject the 2020 election, and whereas we believe the 2020 election violated Article 1 and 2 of the U.S. Constitution, that various secretaries of snakes... Throughout the country and the Wisconsin Election Commission illegally circumvented their state legislatures in conducting their elections in multiple illegal ways, including allowing ballot harvesting, ballot trafficking, the use of ballot boxes not under the observation of election officials, encouraging people to register as indefinitely confined not following the law related to voting at nursing homes, encouraging clerks to cure ballots with incomplete information and registering, pardon me, voters without verified picture identification. You see, so every state, every county will have various similarities across the board, right? Can anyone say RICO? But when you get down to each relative um, county or state, there are various, um, uh, various uh, unique ways that they pushed the fraud and the theft of the 2020 election. You know, Uh, Wisconsin is very lucky that they had a sheriff, uh, I believe it was in, was it in Racine County? That um, actually did an investigation into the exploitation of the elders of Wisconsin, of those who are residing in nursing homes and rehabilitation centers, ladies and gentlemen. Very fortunate that that sheriff recognized his constitutional duty and he went and did an investigation into election fraud that just blew open this entire like microcosm of exploitation and fraud throughout the entire state. Not just in his county of Racine, but throughout the entire state of Wisconsin. Now think about that, guys. A- and that was determined because it was the Wisconsin Election Commission that sent out the notice for the permission of this exploitation, otherwise known as ballot harvesting. If any of you all saw the um, if any of you all saw the uh, presentation, uh, the hearing Uh, that was hosted by um, former Supreme Court um, Justice of Wisconsin, Michael Gableman, who is currently special counsel under Rhino, Speaker of the House Robin Voss. Um, They played a video and it just tore me apart, y'all. It tore me apart to see how badly they abused these people. And, you know, someone might think all they did was get a a ballot. All they did was just, you know, forge a vote. But when you see that some of these people literally do not have functions of their mental capacities, or in some instances, their physical capacities, how could you do that to someone? And furthermore, if one truly understands the value of what our vote represents. It is just that much more reprehensible. And I just, just about could not sit and watch all of those interviews. Um, that, again, was during the Michael Gableman hearing um, into uh, Wisconsin election laws broken and state laws. Uh, Highly recommend it. You might be able to find it on our Rumble page. I believe we uh, live streamed that one. It was fiery, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, it always is with Michael Gableman. So uh, I apologize. Let's get back to the Republican Party of Glade County's resolutions. It says here next... And whereas the 2000 Mules documentary using publicly collected evidence of geo-tracking and municipal video surveillance irrefutably proves election fraud occurred in Milwaukee County during the 2020 election in the form of ballot trafficking through drop boxes. And whereas we believe that substantial election fraud in key metropolitan areas significantly affected the results in five key states in favor of Joseph Robinette. Biden Jr. By the time they're done with these resolutions, ladies and gentlemen, everyone will know Joseph Biden's middle name is Robinette. (laughs) It It goes on to say, and whereas the Legislative Audit Bureau report, the Assembly Committee on Campaign and Elections Investigation and Hearings, the Wisconsin Institute of Law and Liberty, investigation and report and michael gableman's investigation and second interim investigative report now that's the one where they talk about the exploited um, um uh, uh, P- uh residents of the nursing homes the second interim investigative report so look it up great video great video um it says uh which was presented to the assembly committee on march 1st 2022 all found significant inconsistencies and discrepancies in the 2020 election Now, therefore, be it resolved, the Republican Party of Land Glade County, Wisconsin formally rejects the certified results of the 2020 presidential election, and we hold that acting president, acting president, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., was not legitimately elected by the people of the United States. We strongly urge all Republicans to work to ensure election integrity and correct all fraud and weaknesses identified in the 2020 election. Now, if I were having a very cynical moment, ladies and gentlemen, I'd be like, what the heck was that? I'd be like, really, like, encourage, strongly urge all Republicans to work to ensure election integrity. Well, where have they been, these Republicans? Where have these defenders of the Constitution and restorers of the Republic been? I hadn't seen very many, you know, uh, powerful Republicans, let alone any, I don't know, national Republican Party, um, say anything about the elections. Just a little bit of a a little bit of a takeaway from that, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, things are definitely going in a particular direction. Uh, when we're talking about uh, the state of affairs in our uniparty that currently runs the country. Okay, let's finish this up, guys. It says, and be it further resolved, we ask and encourage the Wisconsin state legislature to do everything in their power to dissolve and defund the Wisconsin Election Commission and put the responsibility of election integrity in the hands of the elected position of Secretary of State and that Wisconsin legislature also do everything in their power to complete all ongoing investigations of the 2020 election, including Michael Gableman's investigation to ensure no cheating happens in future elections. And be it finally resolved, ladies and gentlemen, we encourage every other Republican county party in both the state of Wisconsin and all other states that experienced voter fraud and cheating to issue a similar resolution to reject the twenty twenty election results, this resolution approved unanimously by the executive committee of the Republican Party of Langlade County on June thirtieth, two thousand twenty. So that is pretty powerful, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, as we go, as we continue through uh, with resolutions like this popping up, we're gonna we're gonna see basically a similar template. But there's gonna be details, there's gonna be spice, there's gonna be some seasoning in those resolutions to each relative county and each relative state that's gonna add more and more and more to the exposure and the conversation of the fraud that took place in uh, respective states. Um, they just can't stop what's coming, ladies and gentlemen. They cannot stop what's coming because after all, the American people are awake. And I would say, if anything, at least the ones that are willing to do something about the current state of affairs in our country. Let's take a look at this article from the Gateway Pundit. It says, uh, Breaking Glade County, Wisconsin, joins Texas and Maricopa County, Arizona to unanimously reject the results of the 2020 election. So we went through the resolution. Now let's uh, see what uh, they wrote up about it at uh, the Gateway Pundit. It says... Landglade County, Wisconsin became the latest county to unanimously reject the results of the 2020 election based on fraud and illegal activities by election officials in several jurisdictions. Landglade joined the state of Texas and Maricopa County, Arizona in their recent resolutions to reject the fraudulent results of the 2020 election. Finally, Landglade County urges all remaining 3,143 United States counties To pass similar resolutions. The people of Wisconsin have seen enough. In In June, the Maricopa County Republican Committee introduced a resolution to formally reject the certification of the 2020 presidential election. The 2000 Mules documentary irrefutably proves election fraud occurred in Maricopa County during the 2020 election in the form of ballot trafficking through drop boxes, states the resolution in Maricopa County. 2,000 Mules was the latest blow to the stolen 2020 presidential election. Massive evidence of illegal ballot trafficking and a coordinated nationwide election fraud ring was presented by True the Vote and Dinesh D'Souza. The film revealed that over 200,000 illegal ballots were trafficked in Arizona alone. And Texas Republicans formally rejected Joe Biden's election in 2020 as president at their convention Uh, Last month. Now, that one is the that's the kicker right there, guys. Whereas you have Maricopa County and now you have Langlade County, um, uh, Republican parties that have decided that we're just we're not going to recognize this administration, uh, this regime. It was a fraud. It was the entire Republican Party of the state of Texas, guys. So all the counties, all right, involved. Now, maybe they did not individually pass resolutions, but that is going to be the working platform for 2023 in the Texas GOP. So that, ladies and gentlemen, now that's a kicker, right? Okay, so the rest of the article uh, talks a little bit more about Texas Um, And the legitimacy of the 2020 elections as uh, clearly undermined in the uh, 2000 mules uh, video or documentary. So uh, good stuff there that guys, good news coming out of Wisconsin, wouldn't you say? I would definitely say so. Uh, But now, ladies and gentlemen, for every good, at least in this current uh, universe, there is a bad sometimes. Uh, but we're not going to get disheartened, ladies and gentlemen. We are not going to get disheartened. Whenever we face negative information, stuff that would make us say, we're losing, we're losing, not winning, uh, it has often been said here at the Sea Report that one needs to find their Garland Favorito moment. And uh, I scarce believe that Garland Favorito would take a shining to us getting depressed and uh, getting, uh, you know, down on the events that just took place over this 4th of July weekend in Georgia. I mean, we knew this was gonna happen, guys. We knew this was going to happen because this is the exact pattern that the Georgia judicial branch and uh, actually their legislative and their executive branches as well have been forging throughout this entire 2020 election fraud debacle, right? They've dismissed cases, they've ignored cases, they've thrown out cases. Well. Here's another one, ladies and gentlemen. And even though I have not located video from Garland Favorito or a press release about this event occurring, because it just happened on Saturday, um, I guarantee he will find the gold, I'm sorry, the silver lining in this story. I mean, he's done it every single time and he's had dozens of cases thrown out by the judicial branch, the judiciary, the judges, etc the DAs, whatever, in Georgia. I mean, umpteen times this man has faced opposition and he has never quit in more than a decade. So, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, let's not get disheartened, but let's find out what is going on this past weekend in Georgia. Now, apparently, um, the Court of Appeals in Georgia threw out a lawsuit that Voter GA had issued regarding their ability to inspect the physical ballots from the 2020 elections. Now, if one recalls the story, basically Voter GA as an uh, a grassroots election integrity group managed to get the courts to allow them to inspect the electronic ballot images. And this is going back to like March or April of 2021, right? And uh, so they were able to uh, they were able to inspect the electronic ballots Uh, In inspecting them. They found out that the resolution of these ballots was just terrible. So then, ladies and gentlemen, you know, throughout the course of the next few months, they're um, fighting to get a higher resolution on the images so they can really try and do a forensic type of study of these ballots. Well, needless to say, the courts decide that no. What we gave you is perfectly fine, and that should hold and suffice for your purposes. Oh, they held, guys. I'll tell you that about that in a minute. But then what happens after that is so voter GA decides that they're going to sue to try and get a hold of the physical ballots. And actually, they might have made that move somewhere in between the low resolution and the high resolution debacle. But uh, it was on a Memorial Day weekend in 2021, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure it was. Um the warehouse where they store those ballots or stored those ballots was broken into when it just so happens that the cameras weren't working. It just so happens that the guards who were at the door decided to go buy a pack of cigarettes or have lunch or something. And I was like, this is crazy. What kind of a con, what kind of a racket is Bradford Raffensburger running in Georgia and Kemp? But uh, as you guys might remember, Bradford Raffensberger comes out of what? Landmark Communications, right? And what are they again? They are a firm that runs Democrats as Republicans, okay? We just covered that a couple of episodes ago, and we covered it the first time back in like June or July of 2021. So we really shouldn't be surprised by their action, guys. actions, guys. What we should be surprised in is that the state legislature and the law enforcement in Georgia has done nothing about it. And that's in the face of all of the election fraud that has come forward in Georgia. So, oh, real quick though, about those low resolution electronic ballot images, they might've been low resolution, but man, did they get a lot of good information out of that. Uh, There were um, several hundreds, if not thousands of duplicate ballots of batches that had like the same marking on the bus. you know, we're talking like, this is batch number uh, 415, and um, this is, uh, you know, ballot number 223 or whatever. And then they would go over to batch number 254, and then they would get ballot number 123, and they would be exact duplicates. So they got a lot of good information. They also got information about chain of custody in that, um, in that procedure. Really, really bad guys. And just that severe mismanagement alone, if you want to be nice to what Bradford Raffensperger says, who then lied about it to the J6 committee, I might add, um, it's severe mismanagement. Fine. Severe mismanagement. You had Stacey Abrams speak of the devil and her little, uh, happy faces or happy smiles, um, a temporary uh, work agency, all employed, like the government of Georgia, exclusively hires Stacey Abrams employees to work in every office and every position in their state uh, house, ladies and gentlemen, the Capitol. Okay. And you had these same people over at the election at the uh, State Farm Arena and wherever else that they uh, employed them. And is it really a question of severe mismanagement? I mean, (laughs) I would have to say guys, obviously. There was some motive behind all of that, don't you think? All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the story. I'm giving you guys a lot of backstory tonight. So uh, this, is the, um, this is the decision, the ruling from the Court of Appeals of Georgia. So we're going to look at a couple of paragraphs here because then they just go into like definitions and stuff. So uh, we don't need to look at all of that. But this is dated July 1st, 2022. And uh, in the Court of Appeals of Georgia... Uh, they had presiding judge McFadden, or McFadden, I apologize. And it says here, uh, Garland Favorito uh, Caroline Jeffords, and seven other Georgia residents petitioned for declaratory judgment and injunctive relief against five members of the Fulton County Board of Registration and elections in their individual capacities, claiming that votes cast by the petitioners during the 2020 general election were diluted at, by the inclusion Of allegedly unlawful ballots in Fulton County. Jeffords and one other uh, petitioner also claimed that Fulton County had violated the Georgia Open Records Act. Three of the respondent board members filed motions to dismiss the petitions based on the petitioner's lack of standing. Again, guys, technicalities it's exactly what they did with the trump legal team when they held those um, hearings in the six states that were most contentious Uh, technicalities right technicalities it says uh, the trial court granted the three board members motion and dismissed the claims against them finding that the petitioners lacked standing due to their failure to allege a particularized injury more technicalities now This is just insane, guys, because I can tell you what, had the courts in Georgia actually taken on the electronic ballot images uh, case, and they would have seen all of these thousands of duplicates of ballots, I think that would have particularly alleged, or I should say uh, it would have particularized an alleged injury because they had the proof there. They threw it out. Okay. And that one was uh, something else like the lawyer on the opposing team Uh, lied to the judge and said that uh, the the DA or the office of the Secretary of Snakes was already doing an investigation into the electronic ballots. And so because that was happening, well, we really can't continue with voter GAs. We have to see what these offices come up with. And so the judge threw it out. Isn't that crazy, guys? So had they actually taken on the voter GA case for the electronic ballot uh, images, they would have had a particularized alleged injury and it would not have been thrown out for lack of standing. So uh, one can clearly see that uh, these things occur for a specific reason and it's to totally derail any election efforts. Uh, I'm sorry, election integrity efforts um, in the state of Georgia. What is going on in Georgia? Ladies and gentlemen, what is going on in Georgia? All right, uh, the ruling continues. The court further ordered that the claims against the other two board members also be dismissed due to the same lack of standing of the petitioners. I feel like they want to say lack of understanding, right? Like they're being uh, condescending or they're like looking down their nose at them. But uh, lack of standing. The court also dismissed Fulton County from the case, finding that the Open Records Act claims against it had already been fulfilled, uh, fully adjudged in a prior order. The petitioners appeal from the dismissal order with Favorito and six others appealing in case number A22A0939 and Jeffords and another petitioner appealing in case number A22A1097 we consider the appeals together since they arise from the same order and both challenge the trial court's lack of standing rule ruling because the petitioner's claim of vote dilution did not allege particularized injuries. In other words, they couldn't be specific. They're just making wild claims of, uh, you know, the sky falling, but they didn't say where and at what time. The trial court correctly dismissed their claims against, whoops, what am I doing? Oh, there we go. Sorry guys. Uh, Their claims against the five board members due to lack of standing. And an additional argument regarding standing to bring the Open Records Act claims against Fulton County presents nothing for review since the trial court did not dismiss Fulton County from the case based on the petitioner's lack of standing. So we affirm the order of the trial court in both appeals. And then here it goes into the definition. So you got standing. Well, like, let me, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so we affirm the order of the trial court. In both. Yeah, so basically they agree with the trial court. They're throwing out the appeal. So standing, standing is a jurisdictional issue that must be considered before reaching the merits of a case and is a doctrine rooted in the traditional understanding. I told you, lack of understanding of a case or controversy. Uh, you know, uh, technicalities, right? Uh Legal jargon mumbo jumbo of the court that they probably utilize to no ends to get their way. So anyways, There you go, guys. There is uh, just all the uh, legal definitions here. And uh, that is the ruling from the Georgia Court of Appeals in regards to physical ballot inspection by voter G8. What a terrible mess. Hopefully this will all come back and bite them in the butt, ladies and gentlemen. But we'll leave that to the universe and karma, right? We'll leave that to the universe and karma. Um, I wanted to share with you guys. Now, um, Voter GA had a press conference recently where they listed, they enumerated every single um, discrepancy that they found in the 2020 elections. Uh, So uh, I believe this is the Gateway Pundit again. They um, they mirrored that and they uh, crystallized it onto their website. So I just want to share that with you guys because a lack of standing, clearly these uh, judges and these legislators and these uh, law enforcement officers and lawyers have never once read or heard a voter GA press release because they've been covering this ad nauseum for so long. Uh, So let's see what uh, some of these, um, now they have 15 points here. I want to say Voter GA had 42 (laughs) in one of their press releases. Anyways, maybe they were just getting very specific, right? So it says here, uh, Voter GA previously released a list of 15 facts that support their request for an audit, okay? Because that's their ultimate goal is to get an audit of the um, physical ballots. And uh, it appears that may not happen. It says, uh, one, the U.S. District Court found on October 11th, 2020, the Dominion voting system that was used in the November 2020 election is unverifiable to the voter and in violation of two Georgia statutes. They're talking about the um, they're talking about the uh, after they vote. What do you call it? It it makes a QR code. Uh, So uh, according to two Georgia statutes or at least one specifically, um, the voter needs to be able to read those results and they need to be able to understand them. And obviously, if you have it in QR code form, you don't know whether or not the machine actually gave you the vote. So that was, that's a Georgia statute. Violation. Uh, two, there are six sworn affidavits of counterfeit mail-in ballots in Fulton County election resulting a uh, results scaling into the tens of thousands so six sworn affidavits upon the penalty of perjury right jail time or a fine that there were tens of thousands of counterfeit mail in ballots number 3 state farm arena video shows at least four violations of Georgia election law number 4 approximately 43,000 DeKalb County drop boxes <clears throat> Uh, Dropbox ballots have no chain of custody forms to authenticate them. Number five, true vote geotracking showed evidence of ballot harvesting teams driving repeatedly to drop boxes in Fulton and DeKalb County. Number six, all 350,000 plus original in person ballot images in Fulton County are missing, which is a violation of federal and state election retention laws. And you'll see that particular violation across the board in the United States of America. Like, it happened everywhere. They're like, oh, we're supposed to retain this data for 22 to 24 or 25 months, depending on the state and uh, where uh, where they stand on that. Because uh, uh, federal is 22 months, right? But some states go as high as 25 months. Uh, they just ignored it, guys. The secretaries of state, in some instances, directed... The county clerks and election managers to delete the data jenna griswold featured on our brand new um uh, secretary of snakes shirt design um is one of those secretaries of state so is katie hobbs she's on design number two uh but you see guys why we need to bring attention to the secretary of state and that office because it's been one of those offices that's so overlooked so underappreciated that has been so undermined by these um soros uh soros soldiers like so, um, some of them if not most of them actually came out of the George Soros funded secretaries of state project from back in the mid 2000s right now debunked I'm, I'm sorry now defunct ladies and gentlemen allegedly but most of them they go and hang out at the um at the uh, national association of secretaries of state like that's where you will find them now Um, As opposed to, you know, uh, running around underneath a, um, I think it was a 504C um, 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 organization, the Secretaries of State Project. Anyways, so yeah, Secretaries of Snakes themselves, guys, ordered and directed their county clerks to violate state and federal election laws. Pretty bad, guys, pretty bad. Uh, Number eight says, at least 17,720 certified in-person recount votes have no ballot images in Fulton County. 17,000. What did Trump say? I need 11,000 votes, right? Why did he say that? Because Biden was up by 11,000. One one thing I do like to note about that, guys, is if Biden was up by 11,000 and yet they needed 350,000 fake ballots... To beat Trump, man, what a landslide it was. All right, uh, let's see here. Appreciate that for a moment, right? 18,000, this is number nine, 18,325 voters had vacant residential addresses according to the United States Post Office. No addresses on over 18,000 mail-in ballots. Number 10 says 904 voters were registered at a P.O. Box address, which is illegal. Number 11 says all or large parts of 2 million original ballot images from 70 plus Georgia counties are missing. 2 million. Why would they destroy all of those ballots? Uh, Number 12, failure to make mandatory check of ballot envelope signature to uh, a signature on file resulted in a 2020 absentee ballot rejection rate. A uh, rate drop from 3.47% in 2018 to 0.34%, which translates to the acceptance and inclusion of approximately 4,400 dubious Fulton County mail-in ballots. Now, if you guys don't get what that means, they're talking about the adjudication process here. So, uh, for example, it was Bookvar in Pennsylvania uh, and also Jocelyn Benson in, in Michigan who... Um, one of them uh one of them created their own rules on um on how to accept the signatures i, I think i believe that was bookvar right uh, she was an acting secretary of state they had they've had like three or four under wolf i think they're on their fourth one now but uh bookvar i mean down to um even like images of like how to match signatures like and these looked nothing they looked nothing like a match. Um, Jocelyn Benson gave them guidance um, and basically allowed them to overstep the process of um, signature identification, which causes the ballots to go to adjudication, right? Um, at least in the case of Fulton County, that's how this went down. In Pennsylvania and Michigan, they didn't even care. They are like, ah, just accept it. We don't got to adjudicate, because they are probably all fake ballots anyways. Um, But in Fulton County, so that's what happens. The process of adjudication, which means they historically, or at least in 2018, had a 3.47% rejection rate. Um, And now it went down to 0.34%. Okay, so that is pretty crazy. Uh, Big difference there, guys, from uh, one uh, big election to the next. Thirteen, says the U.S. District Court found Secretary of State's office not credible on August 16th, 2019. Oh, that's interesting. I think I need to look into that. Uh, Number fourteen, a report compiled by Matt Brainerd and his team at Look Ahead America provided specific verifiable evidence that likely illegal ballots exceeded the margin of victory in the presidential race. And number 15, statistical abnormalities identified in many Georgia counties by former Army Intelligence Captain Seth Keschel shows that it is implausible that the election results are correct. And uh, the court disagreed. They tossed the case, but I'm sure that there is a silver lining there somewhere, guys we just need to get to Garland Favorito and he will tell us what it is because he understands all of this. Like when he's had a cases thrown out before, he's like, what the good thing is though, that since the court threw this case out, we'll be able to prove X, Y, R, Z, or we'll be able to bring, I mean, he'll find something good about it. Or maybe this time he'll just say, um, they are um, they are making their own headstones. <laughs> because it took him over a year and a half to actually call out Bradford Raffensperger and Kemp as treasonous and uh, traitors to the country. It took him over a year and a half. That is how, um, that's how tempered the man is. So always have your Garland favorito moment, ladies and gentlemen. Never, ever, ever surrender to the news that is ill about our fights and our battles in regards to restoring our republic. Because after all, as long as we keep at it, as long as we are relentless, we will get to our goal. Um, Let's see here. Do I have another article? Yes. I have another article just to wrap up Georgia. Why can't Georgia appeals court judges look public in the eye when dismissing election integrity? These are not patriots. They are cowards. Here they are. Okay. And this article comes from the georgia record ladies and gentlemen uh, let's see what is going on here oh hey chaos soul thanks for joining us over at twitch chaos soul says uh why is the curling case getting to go forward and not others i'm not sure what the curling case is but his next comment is eric requires that postcards be sent out to clean uh rolls before election sign and return to the secretary of state if you want to stay on the rolls over 3,000 postcards sent out to get signatures. Uh, is this specifically pertaining to Georgia or a particular state? Because we've covered Eric, the um, Electronic Registration Information Center, which I like to refer to as the Election Rigging Information Center. Uh, and uh, they, they don't really hold the states accountable for dirty voter rolls and they don't share any of their information unless there's a hefty price or um, they just don't do it. They just don't do it. Uh, Thank you for those comments. Chaos Soul, welcome to the chat room. Thanks for hanging out with us on this soon to be complete 4th of July, um, Monday here in 2022. Okay, so uh, let's take a look at this article again from the Georgia Record. Why can't Georgia appeals court judges look the public in the eye? What's this here? Let me, uh, a comedy romance by Booth, uh, the fighting coward. I guess that would be the Georgia Court of Appeals, huh? So it's, unless that's some random ad, um, but it says here, let's see, the Court of Appeals uh, Court, Georgia, yesterday threw out the challenge by voter GA to reverse the dismissal by Judge Amaro in Henry County earlier in the year, which initially looked to allow discovery and ballot inspection of the Fulton County 2020 election, which was marred by obvious fraud. It is estimate estimated that 40,000 ballots were counterfeit and are supposed to be under seal in storage. The ballot images received showed alterations prior to certification, and that's a point I forgot about. Obvious election fraud. Uh, Raffensperger certified the election anyway. Judge Amaro initially found there was sufficient evidence of fraud to warrant the inspection. He then strangely dismissed, strangely dismissed the case. Uh, now, just real quick recap. Uh, during the presentation into the electronic ballot images, they were able to prove, as it said, that um, the uh, some of the electronic ballotages had actually been electronically altered. Okay, they had the evidence and the proof, but they had no standing, ladies and gentlemen. And they threw the case out, or uh, the lawyers lied about another open investigation. It says here, uh, someone got to Judge Amaro. What judge Amaro, I believe, was a, an Obama-appointed judge. And uh, everyone was surprised that he allowed them to get those electronic ballot images, including myself. It says the dismissal, the dismissal um, by the appeals court was especially galling as the decision was released on a Saturday before the 4th of July. Why can't these judges look the public in the eyes for their corrupt decision and failure to follow rules of discovery and the rule of law, because they are cowards and they are corrupt. These people are not patriots. It's time to call them out. So let's find out who they are, shall we? Uh, Christopher McFadden is an elected judge and was the presiding judge during the case. He is up for election again in November, although he ran unopposed in the primary and in a non- In a nonpartisan race, he practiced um, appellate law as a sole practitioner before being elected to the Court of Appeals in 2011. As an elected judge, he should face electoral consequences to pay for his betrayal of the citizens of Georgia. And uh, I think that is just a commercial ad right there. Uh, Judge Elizabeth Gobiel, or Gobil is married to uh, Bart Gobil, who worked his recent adult life in the Georgia government. He was appointed to the board of the Georgia Port Authority in 2011. In 2019, he earned $442,000 as the director of statewide economic development and governmental affairs for the Georgia Port Authority. He was recently selected to run the Georgia Conservatory. In July of 2016, uh, Governor Nathan Deal appointed Bart Gobiel, Director of Statewide Economic Development and Governmental Affairs for the Georgia Port Authority, to the Board of Directors of the Georgia Lottery Corporation, wrote the Savannah Business Journal. Do you think Judge Gobiel should have recused herself from this case since her husband was earning a half million dollars a year from the Kemp government? especially since the Fulton County ballot inspection case most likely would have finally proved a proven massive fraud in the 2020 general election presided over by governor, uh, Rhino governor, Brian Kemp himself. Inquiring minds want to know things that make you want to go, hmm. Last but not least, we have Judge Andrew A. Pinson, Uh, And he was appointed to the Court of Appeals by Governor Brian Kemp and was sworn in on August 30th, 2021. Pinson served as law clerk at the U.S. Supreme Court for Justice Clarence Thomas, according to Georgia Court Appeals website. Do you think Justice Clarence Thomas would be proud of Pinson's ruling today? Do you think Justice Thomas believes in discovery? Again, inquiring minds want to know because the petitioner's claims of vote dilution did not allege particularized injuries. The trial court correctly dismissed their claims against the five board members due to lack of standing. Do these cowardly judges really believe Georgia voters have no standing in their own election? We think not. We think these good old boys and girls just want to be the gravy train and were instructed in no uncertain terms somehow to just go along to get along. Don't touch election integrity at all or else. That should be the new motto over here at the C-Report no courage shown here judge mcfadden needs to be defeated in his next election judge gobills needs to be impeached for conflict of interest and judge pinson needs to live up to <laughs> uh goodness what is going on with this screen hold on let me uh, let me see if i can't get that back where are you going okay there we go Apologies. Uh, Judge Pinson needs to live up to the reputation of the man he used to clerk for. Instead of looking forward to a career of grift off the citizens of Georgia, oh yeah, he should be impeached too. It's time Georgia judges face accountability at the ballot box for their behavior. Ladies and gentlemen, what has been a running theme for tonight? Self-governance. The only people who can take care of this type of corruption is not another government agency. It is the people. That is me and you, ladies and gentlemen. That is the citizens of Georgia, the citizens of Texas, the citizens of Pennsylvania, Michigan, all across the board. Ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's move on to our next story. Ooh, what is that, right? looks kind of creepy. We got the all-seeing eye here, guys. (coughs) And a... uh, cartoonishly illustrated um, a comb over. <laughs> Progressive money and collusion between the FBI, the DOJ, leftist activists, and election officials. Are we surprised, ladies and gentlemen? Are we surprised? I know I'm not. I'm waiting for all of this to come forward so we can have a RICO case and throw them all in jail. And hopefully it goes all the way up to the tippy top of the Democrat National Committee, of the Republican GOP Party. Uh, you know, uh, Sorry, I'm being redundant there. And all the way up to the President Obama himself. And they throw them all in jail. Uh, Two Rivers says, does reject mean the same thing as an official decertification? Um, words, words, Two Rivers. Uh, that's a good question. Um... I would say if you're rejecting the results, you are rendering them null, which I think have much more impact than decertification, Because under decertification, I guess you have like a technicality of evidence, right? The technicality being that there's evidence, right? But then under nullification, which the election can be nullified according to uh, the um, uh, according to the uh, lack of certification for the uh, voting machines and the voting uh, testing system laboratories. Uh, Thanks, Election Assistance Commission, for making this job easy. And uh, thanks to all of the um, legacy media and, I'm going to say it, all of the patriot and independent and alternative media that did not report that story back in 2021 or earlier. Because it has been known, at least since December of 2020, that these voting system testing laboratories were not certified uh, to do what they did. And then they went and certified machines. I think... The final toll right now is that maybe 5% of all voting machines used in 2020 and in 2018 were actually certified. 5% of all of the voting machines actually had lawful certification under the EAC standard guidelines and the HAVA Act of 2003. Yeah. Big time, guys. Big time, ladies and gentlemen. Anyhow, Let's get into this collusion, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, okay, so FOIA's reveal progressive money fueling FBI, the DOJ, leftist activities and election official coordination. Uh, This is coming from PJ Media. It says this. The C-Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100 percent listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C-Report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From ninety nine cents per month to four ninety nine per month to nine ninety nine per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the Sea Report. And thanks, y'all. Um, A strange constellation has emerged through public records requests of coordination between progressive funders, federal authorities, corporations, state elections officials, and leftist organizations. Now, I have to say this, guys. Did they really need those FOIA requests? Because after all, in the February 2021 issue of Time magazine, these very elements, entities... They had an article published that boasted about just that statement. I mean, we're talking business corporations, tech corporations, uh, leftist organizations, state officials, uh, unions, federal authorities, all of them coming together to form this like behind the scenes net that would support the fraud and would prevent Donald Trump from being reelected as president. Times, February 2021 magazine, they boasted about it. They said, we actually did it. We saved America from Donald Trump. And they just had to brag about it. But you know, the FOIA does make it how you say, official, undeniable, right? Now, the article continues, freedom of information requests have uncovered oddball and opaque relationships between some state election officials, federal officials, corporations, progressive activists, and those trying to influence the conduct of those same election officials. These relationships extend to junkets that include baseball games, travel, and even data exchanges between state officials and outside progressive groups. Oh, that kind of sounds like what happened in Otero County, actually. Yeah, Otero County in New Mexico during the 2020 election, where you had um, Secretary of Snakes Maggie Toulouse-Oliver featured on design number one of our Secretary of Snakes, T-shirt um, design. <laughs> Anyhow, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver caught in email communications between uh, Kurt... Uh, his last name was Curtis, um, who actually was involved with um, uh, Get Out the Vote, who was actually involved with the Center for Tech and Civic Life, which is the uh, Zuckerbucks funded um, election rigging organization. Uh, and he was also um, a Democrat. And then the other person that was involved... Uh, was an, another Democrat operative who was working for a firm that assists with election campaigns, right? And she was also working for, uh, running for state office at the same time. Getting all of this information on voter, um, voter turnout and uh, who's winning what election and at what time of the day and all the percentages, you guys need to go back and watch that Otero County um, hearing on election fraud from the uh, New Mexico election um, New Mexico election um, superheroes <laughs> the name sounds like it. it's, it's, uh, losing. I'm losing it in my mind right now too much data is coming out of me right now guys so uh, we have those clipped out over at our Rumble channel if you guys want to get the fine points of that two hour hearing uh, from the uh, New Mexico New Mexico election integrity force I think is what it's called anyhow Very good stuff. Very good stuff. All of this, it's related. Very interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. So it says here, uh, the story begins with a series of Freedom of Information Act requests aimed at a number of states to see if any election officials are tempted to apply for now illegal money from the Mark Zuckerberg-funded Center for Technology and Civic Life. Such grants and the wild expenditures of these uh, funds altered the course of the 2020 election. The FOIAs were submitted by one of our heroes, the Public Interest Legal Foundation, PILF, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We featured many of their, uh, much of their work here at the Sea Report, and uh, they are all about fighting uh, the legal battles for election integrity. It says here, uh, with which I am associated the the writer of this article. So let's name the writer. Do I have the name of the writer here? I don't. I want to get the name of the writer now, since they work with PILF. And we like PILF here at the Sea Report. Indeed, we do. Oh, it's Jay Christian Adams. It's the founder of PILF himself. Okay, cool. Awesome. He's a hero, ladies and gentlemen. He is a hero. Anyone who stands for election integrity and is not silent about the fraud is a hero. Okay, so Jay Christian Adams wrote this article. Very cool. Associated. How modest, how humble. He's the founder. He's like the, uh, the main, he's the head honcho there. Okay, so uh, it says here, uh, the FOIAs were submitted by uh, the Public Interest Legal Foundation, with which I am associated and were aimed broadly at election officials across the United States. While no election official in a state that now prohibits private funding of elections has applied for new funding, something stranger and more dangerous has emerged from the public information requests in one email. We find that uh, the Democracy Fund, a hyper-funded progressive money source, is organizing state officials and third parties to discuss election administration. Participants in this Democracy Fund effort include Commissioner Ben Hovland on the United States Election Assistance Commission. Oh, really? The EAC involved in this those who did not certify their own testing system laboratories. Let's see here. It says, uh, United States Election Assistance Commission employee, Tina Barton. Another one from the crew. Ebony West, a Democracy Fund employee tasked with voter-centric election administration, which focuses on equipping local election officials with the data, tools, and connections needed to ensure voters' voices are heard. John Keller, a criminal prosecutor at the United States Department of Justice Public Integrity section, who has simply no integrity for being involved in such things, right? Um, It says, who has gone after Republicans like Maricopa County Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Uh, Matt Masterson, a former staffer for John Boehner. (laughs) There's a name I never thought I'd read again. And now Director of Information Integrity at Microsoft and leading their Democracy Forward team. Catherine Reznor. A militant progressive working for the voter fraud, uh, vote fraud denier organization States United Democracy Center. Uh, Craig Latimer, the Hillsborough, Florida, supervisor of elections. Uh Uh-huh. Someone out of Florida, huh? who told us that his office refuses to make any election crimes referrals to county prosecutors. I remember that story. Okay, that's crazy. So this guy's working with them as well. Crazy. Or worked with them, I should say. Kami uh, Fute, or foot. <laughs> uh, sometime wilderness photographer and United States Election consist- as- Election Assistance Commission employee. Uh, Andrea Abate, or Abate, of the Zucker of the Zuck Bucks Mothership, the Center for Technology and Civic Life. Lindsay uh, Lopo the Election Crimes Coordinator at the FBI. Jesus, Louise. Well, they did say, you know, three-letter agencies were involved, but that's just, you know, it just, it hits the heart there when you see that information. Uh, Tasman Swanson, formerly of the GOTV Baltimore Votes and Peace Corps, volunteer in China, but now with the Soros-funded Center for Civic Design, a progressive group dedicated to infiltrating election offices with graphic design help. Federal Department of Homeland Security official David Coonan, Liz Howard from another vote fraud denier outfit, the progressive Brennan Center. Uh, We've read about them before. Uh, Let's see here. It looks like they have a bit of evidence. This must be from the FOIA. So it says no conservative or right of center groups are invited. And this is an email it shows here. Um, And indeed, it lists all the above. Democracy Fund, uh, Charles Stewart, SISA, The, uh, what's a cybernetic infrastructure security administration or whatever it's called. Um, Paul Gronki. uh, there's that Masterson dude, John Keller dude. Um, very interesting. Um, oh, M Gilbertson. Now he was with the Maricopa County government. Hmm. RSC M Gilbertson. I wonder if he was one of the, um, Maricopa County, um, board of directors, Interesting, interesting. Okay, so it says here, uh, this progressive courting of election officials evidenced in this email is not a one-off thing. Um, I'll have other products of our FOIA sweep that show a wide-ranging progressive push to establish working relationships between law enforcement, progressive philanthropy, election officials, corporations, progressive activists, and ultimately the people who run our elections. Since Trump's 2016 victory, this fluid consortium has built uh, structures that match powerful funding with fringe ideological activists with government offices in an effort to create a narrative that nothing was ever wrong with American elections. These structures, are also, uh, these structures also reorient the administration of elections in ways that benefit progressives, such as wide use of automatic mail voting. "'Extraordinary efforts were made in, the 2020, in 2020 to claim that mail voting was problem-free despite the evidence and despite elections in New Jersey being overturned because of mail ballot fraud. Note the invitations were sent to criminal prosecutors at both the FBI and Department of Justice. If there was no voter fraud, as Brennan Center Hacks claimed, then why were the prosecutors invited to the party?' The Democracy Fund is not the only group creating a synergy with the leftist government agencies and state and local election officials. And our FOIA sweep is capturing a trove of documents showing more angles of progressive influence over election administration. David Becker's Center for Election Innovation and Research has emerged as the sidekick to the Election Research and Information Center, a consortium of state election officials who use data exchanges with ERIC to um, clean voter rolls and register the unregistered votes. Again, that is the uh, Electronic Registration Information Center, lovingly referred to as the Election Rigging Information Center here at the C-Report. And yes, that was funded by Soros and um, a couple of other leftist and philanthropistic endeavors. Uh, Who's that other big one? The name is just at the front of my forehead. I cannot remember. It's to speak it. Okay, so it goes on to say David Becker has emerged uh, emerged as the uh, party planner for the strange mix of federal prosecutors, progressive activists, election officials, and expats from the Federal Swamp, who now work for corporate America. And uh, that is David Becker right there, ladies and gentlemen. Becker, the former California Bear drum major, including when the uh, Cal band played Dixie, also matches progressive dollars, state and local election officials, and federal authorities at the United States Election Assistance Commission who have controlled the distribution of hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars. These federal dollars move through the EAC, the Election Assistance Commission, and end up in the states. Indeed, um, under the HAVA Act, that is their job, or one of their jobs anyways. How they are used and which officials and vendors get them is a top priority for the Center for Election Innovation and Research. Becker, an unabashed progressive, is also skilled at organizing junkets of state election officials. Uh, one such confab occurred on uh, in May two of 2019 in Denver, According to documents obtained in the Public Interest Legal Foundation's FOIA, state election officials from Nevada, Arizona, Minnesota, Georgia, Wisconsin, Kentucky, Michigan, Rhode Island, Ohio, Virginia, and Pennsylvania met for the CEIR, Voter Registration Data Working Group. Uh, So here again is a copy of an email. Oh, this looks like fun, guys. It says, May 30th, baseball game. For those attending the ball game, there are 22 of us will be meeting in the lobby of the hotel Bourne to walk over to the ballpark at 12.15 p.m. Please bring $30 cash for the tickets. Oh, they could not even uh, use taxpayer money. Well, actually, I guess if they're getting paid by the citizens for their position in office, yeah, it's taxpayer money. Technicality, right? Lack of standing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but it kind of sucks that C, uh, uh, well, they ca- I think they call them CARE, C-E-I-R. Yeah, they're, they're having this meeting arranged and they're making them spend out of their own pockets. It says, if you cannot make it by 12.15 p.m., let me know. Text me at this number and I'll arrange to leave your ticket at will call. Your rooms will likely not be ready at that time, but you should be able to store your luggage. Oh, they also had a May 30th dinner. Oh, how fun, right? Oh, must be good to be an election official in any of those states. Now, it says here, um, they also watched the Colorado Rockies beat the Arizona Diamondbacks 11 to 10. Becker played concierge for all the fun, according to the emails obtained through public records requests. From Becker, he writes, uh, oh, it's the May 30th baseball game that we just uh, referred to in that email. After the game, Becker had that covered. It says, I'm guessing there will be a group of us going out. If you are not coming to the game and want to join us, please text me and we'll make sure to include you. The next day, May 31st, Becker State election official Confab shifted to work. 7.30 breakfast, 8 a.m. Meeting begins. Please be on time because we plan to end no later than 4 p.m. There will also be two breaks and as usual, the food will be excellent. Excellent. The emails do not reveal what the previous, as usual, other dining experiences were, nor do they reveal who paid for the lodging at the Hotel Bourne with rates that routinely top $450 per night. Here's another uh, email uh, snippet. I'll expand that a little bit more, or maybe I won't. It says, uh, substance of our discussion. For those of you... Oh, actually, I guess I could just read it from the article. It says here, for those of you familiar with the meetings I've facilitated for ERIC, this will be similar. The general topic is centered around the structure of states, voter registration databases, and the voter data within. We will spend most of the time at this meeting, which I expect will be uh, the first of several, discussing the following. Voter registration databases, structure, interconnectivity with other databases, such as the DMV, compatibility with ERIC, batch versus real-time, and security and privacy of data. You know, it's quite interesting that ERIC actually does collect DMV information because, um, well, it is widely believed that it is through that information. Because what ERIC is supposed to do, I mean, they're supposed to send notices to the secretaries of state to clean their voter rolls. Do they? Not often and not regularly, and uh, they're also supposed to find potential voters. Like, what do you do when you find potential voters? So they got a hold of the DMV, compare the lists, make fake accounts, and then they uh, they uh, blow up the um, um, election um, voter participation accounts uh, to match whatever fraud they're doing. And then uh, they take it back down. You know, they can do all of that. The election rigging information center can. That's my assessment anyways. Soul does make a good point over at Twitch. Says, uh, Louisiana SOS dropped Eric like a hot potato. Do you know why um, that uh, Fat SOS of a uh, swamp creature dropped Eric? He dropped Eric because his America first opponent was wringing him through the mud for it. And so, uh, to save face, he did drop Eric. I mean, it was, it's a great victory, but it's kind of under false pretenses. And so there remain 30 states, ladies and gentlemen, that still utilize, well, actually that still pay Eric to do what they do, right? Which is help rig elections and, uh, find Democrat voters and then force people to pay them to get that information for public record. Now, if I'm not mistaken, according to most state and even federal law, election records are public. And yet Eric will charge you for it up the wazoo, depending on what state you're in. So that's pretty bad guys. Eric needs to go. Or as uh, who's it? Uh, either Tam Growl or um, uh, either Tam Growl. I think it is Tam Growl. It says, Eric needs a spanking, right? <laughs> well, it's either Tam Growl or Skeeter Burke, but one of the two lovely ladies have those sentiments about Eric and I agree. Okay guys, uh, so let's continue on here. Actually, there's a little bit of, oh no, they did uh, cover that in the article. It says, again, no conservative election administration groups or conservatives were invited to the Colorado Confab. Yeah, I don't understand what the difference is here other than the fact that um, Republicans and conservatives aren't getting caught with their uh, fingers in the cookie jar, so to speak. Uh, but anyhow, it says here, um, look at look at Kemp, look at Raffensburger, right? Some of the participants at the Colorado Confab were from states that opposed President Trump's Presidential Advisory Commission on Election Integrity, on which I served, and refused to provide that commission information about the same database details they happily shared with David Becker's progressive organization. All of this is just a first taste at understanding the the behind-the-curtain relationships, developing between progressive deep pockets, leftist activists, vote fraud deniers, federal officials with prosecutorial power, and state and local election officials. This effort started after the 2016 election and notably focused on many of the bluish swing states that Donald Trump won in 2016, but lost in 2020. Whether that was part of the plan or just a side benefit of the Denver Confab and uh, Democracy Fund plans remains to be seen. Huh, interesting statement that. I mean, come on, PJ Media. I know you guys have been following these stories. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I guess officially it remains to be seen. Right. Okay. PJ media guys. Pretty good. Hey, Railinon, on what's going on. Thank you so much for donating 117 uh, gold pills over at Foxhole. I hope the information I am bringing to you guys tonight has been worth it. And uh, I don't know guys, election integrity stories to me are always worth it. Let me pop over to rumble real quick. Uh we still got uh Tessa Michelle hanging out over there and a few others. And uh Sumter fifty-three. Glad to have you guys with us tonight. Thanks for being present. And uh let me say real a quick hello to um uh, the Speak Uneasy and also Pilled by the Rabbit. Good evening guys, how are you all doing tonight? Good to see you in the audience over there. her says, oh. Declared to cert to decertify. That sounds like that, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. The, oh I mean, I went pretty far back there in the chat, so uh well, there you go. There you go. All right, guys, let's get back into. <laughs> Chaos Soul says, OMG, check the info Eric gets in Illinois on people, or Illinois, sorry, not Illinois. I, I never lived in Illinois, so I can't call it Illinois, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, interesting. We don't really cover much about Illinois here because I guess there's not a whole lot of stories, but I'll look into it and we'll see what we can find. Thanks for the tip off there. Jordan Fuchs from Georgia. Yeah, we know about Jordan Fuchs, the one who uh, doctored and, and leaked the phone call, the perfect phone call between Bradford Raffensperger. You know, Jordan Fuchs, just like Gabriel Sterling, just like Bradford Raffensperger, all come out of Landmark Communications Firm, which again, as I said earlier, is a firm that literally runs Democrats as Republicans. And they also do uh, polling and surveys there. So... uh, Uh, Like Garland Favorito had shared with us, when it came to the polling for Brad Raffensperger in the 2022 primary, (laughs) he had the lowest numbers across the board. And the day before the election, he got his highest polling, which was from Landmark Communications that put him at like 38%. And then somehow he wins like 62, 64, 66% of the vote. Clear fraud, guys. Clear fraud. There's no way that Brad Raffensperger won that election fairly and squarely, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's go on to our next story. Who is that tough, stoic-looking figure there on the screen, ladies and gentlemen? Well, that would happen to be Missouri Governor Parsons who has uh, recently signed into law an election integrity bill in the state of Missouri that will no longer approve of drop boxes and will also approve voter ID. So good job, Missouri Governor Parsons. I could tell by that Trump 2020 oh, okay. shirt that uh, you might have done such things for your state. Let's uh, read all about it, ladies and gentlemen. This um, is coming from the Gateway Pundit. Oh, they're popular tonight. Missouri Governor Parsons signs uh, House Bill HB 1878, requires a voter ID, and eliminates drop boxes. Here we go, guys. It says, uh, today during a signing ceremony at the state capitol, Governor Mike Parsons signed five pieces of legislation into law, including House Bill 1878, which uh, modifies Missouri's um, election laws to strengthen election processes and voter confidence. Governor Parsons says, we are happy to be joined by Representative John Simmons and Senator Sandy Crawford to sign HB 1878 into law. In 2020 and years prior, Missouri has conducted free, fair and secure elections, but with changing technologies and a new emerging threat and new emerging threats, we want to ensure they remain that way. HB 1878 strengthens our election processes and gives Missourians confidence that their voices are being accurately and securely recorded at the ballot box. You saw how political he got with that statement, didn't y'all, ladies and gentlemen? He's like, while well, it was secure in 2020, ha ha ha, don't hate me. It's okay, not everyone is as hardcore as like Kerry uh, Lake or President Trump, right? But at least he got the job done. Uh, the article goes on, requires... Um, Oh, I feel like I'm missing something. Oh. HB 1778 modifies provisions record- regarding election law and requires all registered voters in Missouri to provide a photo ID to vote and repeals the use of mail-in ballots while allowing certain absentee ballots, strengthening the integrity of each citizen's vote. Additionally, eight, uh, HB 1878 makes several other modifications to the state or the statute It clarifies when voter rolls can be audited by the Secretary of State. It allows no excuse absentee voting in person at the local election authority starting two weeks prior to the election. It prohibits the use of ballot drop boxes for absentee ballots. It makes the paper ballot the official ballot and prohibits the use of electronic vote counting machines after January 1st, 2024. So at least we know in the state of Missouri, the elections will be secure 2024 and later. Well, that's actually kind of amazing, guys, that they actually pulled that off. Because there's so many other states right now that are in litigation or they are in legislation to try and get that done. So wow, bravo Missouri, bravo indeed. Um, Let's see here, Uh, HB 1878 also uh, prevents local election authorities from accepting private donations with limited exceptions. It requires all electronic voting machines to be air gapped or not directly connected to the internet. Now, if it was really secure, Governor Parsons, and I'm just gonna play, uh, you know, God's advocate, (laughs) so to speak. If it was really secure, then why do you need to have a provision that air gaps your election equipment if it should have already been air gapped? Hmm, good question, right? And finally, HB 1878 adds several other provisions related to elections. It says, our election system is a cornerstone of our republic. Uh, This is from uh, state representative, John Simmons. He goes on to say faith and confidence in the process is a solemn responsibility by voters themselves and those conducting elections. A photo ID requirement is but one common sense measure, the vast majority of Missourians support. Uh, State Senator Sandy Crawford says of this um, signing of the bill, I believe when HB 1878 becomes law, Missourians can be assured that their votes will be counted correctly and there will be many safeguards in place to prevent voter fraud. So this is definitely a step forward for Missouri. Is it gonna solve everything? No, it's not. I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, if, if you all were to go and examine the various types of fraud that have been discovered in numerous states, particularly regarding the electronics and the machines, um, this air gap, <laughs> it's probably not gonna do the job that it needs to do. So anyhow, but hey, good job, Missouri. I'm all for it. All right, let's see here. Our next story is gonna take us over to the state of Michigan. And we are just about at the conclusion of tonight's Sea Report. So what's going on in Michigan? Well, it appears that Michigan, home of the weird sisters, the Wretched Three, and that would be uh, Secretary of Snakes Jocelyn Benson, Wretched Dana Nessel, state AG, and also Wretched Gretchen Whitmer, the uh, state's governor, they've actually managed to ban private funding for elections. So that means you, Center for Tech and Civic Life, or if you want to be proper, Center for Technology and Civic Living, no, Civic Life, um, well, you ain't going to get away with it again. And honestly, they're not They're not going to do it again. They can't, you know, like even Wisconsin and other states have said, no, they can't uh, take private money uh, from the likes of, um, you know, CTL or CTCL, excuse me. But um, Zuckerberg, he got a slap on the wrist and... Um, There's still about $80 million that they're still going to be able to push into the elections in 2022 and 2024, $80 million. They received like, what, $400 and $500 million? But still, still it's okay. Like, it's okay for them to use the $80 million. You know what I think that is going to be used for? Well, you see, they used the bulk of that money to get out the vote, to put out the drop boxes, all that stuff you know, to um, increase the wages for the managers who, um, you know, went along with the fraud and allowed it to become committed it themselves, right? So, uh, you know, uh, probably the $80 million is gonna be used for staffing, right? Or it's probably gonna be used uh, to uh, buy up these um, crooked election managers, et cetera, Um, still $80 million, guys. That's payroll for the next, what, two elections, most likely. I wouldn't doubt that's what they're going to use it for anyways. So, uh, let's get into this article about Michigan since they're making some strides there in that, uh, terribly corrupt state, okay? Even the Michigan Senate, okay, whom I had great hopes for, um, based on some of their, uh, uh, legislation points of view and discourse on things like COVID, um, but I guess that one was kind of easy, right? That was easy for conservatives or supposed Republicans or supposed lovers of America. But they released a report. The Senate did a report, um, and they found no election fraud, uh, fraud no pervasive election fraud. So saith the Senate Committee on like elections or whatever. So that was totally disappointing. Anyhow, uh, let's get our head out of the negative Nancy moment and go on with this. It says county, oh county, county well, I'm missing part of the article. Uh, let's see. This is from the Epoch Times. Let me jump out of immersive real quick. Come on, you jump out of immersive. Okay. there. Who is that? Livingston County's ban on the acceptance of unregulated monies for funding elections is a move that lawyer Eric Cardell says will enhance election integrity. Ah, oh, so it was just one county. So county becomes first. Oh, well, I apologize guys my banner is a little mis, uh, misleading it wasn't the entire state of michigan it was a county and they have become the first in michigan to ban private funding of elections okay well you know we get it right as uh many times as we can let me take care of that real quick just so uh i mean i caught it so uh michigan county first to ban private funding of elections that feels better guys So it says this, it says, uh, Livingston County, Michigan, this week became the latest jurisdiction in the country and the first in its state to ban the private funding of the administration of elections. The move came after good government advocates became incensed that in 2020, a Mark Zuckerberg funded activist group. The Center for Tech and Civic Life flooded election offices in Democrat Party uh, strongholds in Michigan with millions of dollars in an apparent effort to drive up voter turnout for that primary. Critics say Zuckerberg, billionaire Facebook founder and Democrat activist, uh, along with his wife Priscilla Chan, Uh, any relation to Jackie, anyways, gave the money in an effort to influence the 2020 election. According to the critics, the grants accomplished Zuckerberg's goal. In 2016, then-presidential candidate Donald Trump, a Republican, beat Democrat Hillary Clinton in Michigan by 10,704 votes. But in 2020, Democrat Joe Biden beat Trump in the state by 154,188 votes, that's a high number, guys. Arizona was like, what, 12,000. Uh, Georgia was like 10 or 11,000. That's a pretty high number. Uh, it says here, uh, so um, Trump uh, was supposedly uh, defeated by, it It was 154,188 ballots, okay, not votes. No person, um, what do you call it? No person actually um, passed those votes. It was ballots. Um, and that is according to official results as reported by Ballotpedia. Critics claim the assistance provided by CTCL to Detroit, Benton Harbor, Muskegon, and other heavily Democrat jurisdictions in the state may have, been, uh, may have put Biden over the top. On June 13th, the Livingston County Board of Commissioners voted unanimously to ban the acceptance of unregulated monies for funding elections, a move that lawyer Eric Cardell Uh, said would enhance election integrity. Wait, didn't they say it was a different county up here? Oh, no, it was Livingston. My bad. Um, So, uh, Wallsworth, I think that's what I saw. Where'd I go? Okay, so yes, Livingston County Board of Commissioners votes unanimously to uh, no longer accept unregulated money. Um, Cardall uh, a special counsel for the Thomas More Society, a nationwide public interest law firm that protects religious freedom and maintains an election integrity practice, said he provided the commissioners with an analysis of the resolution before they voted it voted on it. Livingston County is between Detroit and Lansing, the state capital. The commissioner, uh, the commission's vote pushes Michigan closer toward a national movement to banish dark money. Or political spending meant to influence voters where the donor is not disclosed and the source of the money is unknown, Cardell said. Now, I might interject this little factoid, ladies and gentlemen, when the heat started to get turned up on a CTCL in different states. Secretary of Snakes, Jocelyn Benson, immediately filed like an injunction uh, in the courts that said that they would protect what happened with CTCL. And according to her office, nothing illegal transpired. It was all on the up and up. Like she jumped at that so quickly. And I wonder how much of that money she kept for herself, honestly. Uh, Here's another thing that I wonder, and I've wondered this out loud several times, how much of that money... The Zuckerbucks from CTCL actually went to pay the 2,000 mules from the True the Vote uh, investigation. Now, would that not be an interesting find, ladies and gentlemen? That Zuckerbucks money is tied to the mule, uh, the the ballot trafficking. Boy, would that blow the lid off of everything, ladies and gentlemen! I tell you what, you heard it here first at the C Report. <laughs> okay, let's finish this article, guys. I know some of you guys are probably ready for bed, right? It says here that uh, Walworth County in nearby Wisconsin became the first local government in that state to ban the acceptance of private monies or grants for use in the administration of elections, as the Epoch Times reported. In the last 18 months, 20 states have enacted laws banning private money to administer public elections, Cardall said in a statement in which he identified... Texas, Florida, Ohio, and Arizona as among those now with such laws in effect. He said legislatures in another six states have passed such legislation, but governors vetoed it. Mm, We should find out which, right? This is a win for the voters of Livingston County and will hopefully lead the way for other local governments to optimize election integrity in their regions. Ladies and gentlemen, we take care of our backyards first, right? And also, self-governance, we are the ones to do it at our local level, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of truth to what Cardall said here. Uh, He goes on to say, when there is an absence of any insistence on election integrity from the top, it is incumbent upon counties and municipalities to protect the right of voters entrusted to them, because after all, we are the self-governed. Because Michigan's executive branch has been unwilling to bar private money from, the entering, uh, from entering the elections, the burden has fallen upon the cities and counties to protect themselves from outside interference by illegal money sources. The people understand that the right to vote is a cornerstone of a free society. In fact, it is exactly symbolic of our freedom, ladies and gentlemen. And that the biased intervention of those who influence the outcome with their dirty dollars is not to be tolerated. Excellent article that out of Michigan. We don't get much good news out of Michigan, ladies and gentlemen. Take a look at this one. Well, if it isn't wretched Dana Nassau, Michigan State Attorney General. What is wretched Dana Nassau up to? You know, one of the wretched three weird sisters of the executive branches of uh, Michigan state government. Well, um, just as it could have been predicted, ladies and gentlemen, actually, just as she said, uh, she was going to go after Matthew DePerno. right? Is that what this story is? Dana Nassau to investigate evidence of voter fraud? Oh, wait, <laughs> my bad. I jumped the gun there. Um, Michigan Republicans call on wretched Dana Nassau to investigate evidence of voter fraud. Okay, I should have just read my banner. Um, I was distracted by this swamp creature. Ladies and gentlemen, hey, 123SKG, thank you so much for gifting the can. Good to see ya. Good to see ya, Miss 123. Um, okay, so let's get into this uh, article with Dana Nassau. Why do I feel like we're skipping a story? Anyways, okay, it's okay. Let's let's keep on going. We only have like one, maybe two stories left and we'll call it a night. Thanks for hanging out, ladies and gentlemen. It says here, uh, 17 Michigan GOP lawmakers call on partisan hack, A.G. Nassau. Uh, they spelled her name wrong. To investigate evidence of fraud from 2000 Mules movie. Who's this from? 100% fed up. Okay, well. It happens, right, ladies and gentlemen, it happens. We're not all, we're not perfect here. Okay, the article says, um, hold on, this uh, this leading paragraph is the exact same sentence we just read from the title. Okay, so it says, uh, the 2000 Mules movie is based on geolocation data collected in six key swing states by Greg Phillips and True the Vote founder, Catherine Engelbrecht, showing a ballot, heart. Uh, <laughs> Abraham Inken. Anyways, I'm just poking fun. Okay, so um, voter uh, founder Catherine Engelbrecht showing ballot traffickers traveling between at least ten drop boxes, with visits to multiple nonprofits, all of which, according to lead investigator Greg Phillips, lean far left. In Michigan, True the Vote focused only on Detroit after a stunning map showing early voting sparked their interest. So uh, this is from Truth Social, um, a truth by Greg Phillips. He says, early voting in Detroit, way too dense. Uh, You're you're forgetting a zero, um, an O there, uh, Greg. Anyways, uh, way too blue. Um, he's like, way too dense guys. No, just kidding. Anyways, uh, statistic, statistical anomaly or just flat out cheating. This is the map that pushed me and true the vote, Catherine, um, Engelbrecht to get the gears grinding. And you'll want to know what grinds my gears. Ah. The team of investigators was, were, were able, no, the team was able to identify at least 500 mules involved in the Michigan ballot trafficking scheme. Jim Hoft of The Gateway Pundit and Patty McMurray of 100% Fed Up interviewed Greg Phillips and True the Vote founder Catherine Engelbrecht in advance of the release of 2000 Mules movie. During the interview, we showed several clips of potential voter fraud on Detroit Dropbox footage obtained by Gateway Pundit and reviewed by uh, MC4EI. Is MC4EI? Oh, I think that's like uh, Michigan Citizens for Election Integrity, a grassroots integrity group. Um, it says here: uh, here's a copy of the letter. Um, ooh, 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 ooh! Do we want to see the actual one? It says here: uh, Dear Wretched Attorney General Dana Nessel. You know what? Maybe I spelled it wrong. Anyways, it says: We write to you today, urging you to investigate and bring charges if, credi- if credible evidence is found. The Secretary of State of Michigan, members of her office, and any organizations or individuals for crimes related to fraud committed in the 2020 election and crimes brought to the light in the documentary, 2,000 Mules. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, you know, Jocelyn Benson, just like Dana Nassel, are part of the Wretched Three, the Weird Sisters of Michigan. They're they're, they're tight, ladies and gentlemen. Nassel and Benson, there's no way she's going to bring charges against them, you know. Uh, In fact, uh, Nacelle is probably going to end up helping Benson take out her main competition um, for Secretary of State um, re-election. And that is one of my favorites, Christina Caramo in the state of Michigan. All right, uh, let's see here. Uh, Here continues the letter. It says, there are various instances of suspicious activity by the Secretary of Snakes and her office that they have yet to be investigated by your office, including the following violation of mcl 168.7593 the secretary of state used 4.5 million dollars of cares funds to recklessly mail absentee ballot applications to all registered voters not on the permanent absentee voter list Uh, also violation of administrative procedures act the secretary of state's directive issued to michigan clerks in october 2020 to presume the accuracy of absentee ballot signatures was in contrast to state law as ruled by State Court of Claims Judge Christopher Murray. The reported lack of response a response to Freedom of Information Act requests made by the Secretary of State by vote made to the Secretary of State by voters and groups like Michigan Grassroots Alliance related to the voter rolls. Canton Township's voters, and City of Detroit ballots. With the recent release of the documentary 2,000 Mules, there is additional evidence of individuals referred to as mules who repeatedly would visit ballot drop boxes and deposit multiple ballots allegedly for payment in states with controversial elections in 2020, such as Georgia and Pennsylvania. One such instance included a mule in Atlanta, Visiting ballot drop boxes 28 times. Michigan was named as a state that had such mules influence the 2020 presidential election. Additionally, we request you look into the role that nonprofit organizations run by individuals such as Mark Zuckerberg played in the 2020 election. The receipt of non-profit grant money by local clerks and not the Secretary of State's office is uncharted territory, especially when the money is used for drop boxes. $7.6 million was distributed among 19 municipalities from Zuckerberg's Center for Technology and Civic Life in the form of 474 grants, the most given to a state in the nation. Are they talking about... They must be talking about the number of grants because Georgia received the most money because uh, Center for Tech and Civic Life donated to their 2020 election and their 2021 runoff. Um, As the top legal officer in the state of Michigan, you are tasked with the enforcement of our state's laws. You have a statutory obligation to investigate reported violations of the law and we urge you to look into the new evidence brought forth in 2000 Mules, and to review the security of our elections. We eagerly await your response and forthcoming investigation on this pressing issue and anticipate warranted prosecution given this pattern of controversial evidence. The letter is signed respectfully by 17 Republican lawmakers. Of the 17 lawmakers, only 9 have been vocal about investigating a legitimate allegation of voter fraud in Michigan, The other eight lawmakers are facing challengers in the upcoming August primary. Here is a list of the signature page signed by the 17 lawmakers. Let's see who they were. Any names that we recognize? Steve Cara. He is good. He has been fighting for election integrity. He has been vocal. He has been endorsed, I believe, by President Trump. Uh, Bob Bezote. I don't know him. Brad Packett. I don't know him. Uh, Michelle Hoitenga. don't know her. Pat Outman. Don't know him or her. It's Pat. Uh, Matt Hall. dope. Um, doesn't ring a bell. Terrence uh, Mikoski. Uh, Julie Alexander. Ken Borton. Steve Johnson. John Riley. Matt Maddock. I, feel, I think we just read his name in a previous story. Uh, Gary Eisen. Uh, Brian uh, Posthumus. Is that real? Brian Posthumus? Is he not alive? <laughs> Brian is posthumous. Anyways, uh, Andrew Beeler, John Roth, and Greg uh, Markinen. Hmm. So only Steve Kara was on that list. Anyways, okay, so there's like one or two others. Um, okay, so it says uh, Republican Michigan State Representative Stephen Kara, Bob Bezote, uh, or Bezote, Brad Paquette, Michelle Hoytenga, Terrence Mikoski, Julie Alexander, John Riley, and Matt Maddock are the only lawmakers of the 17 who have taken voter fraud seriously until now, four months before the Michigan primary election. And that's the way it's going to be, guys, with the GOP and the Rhinos and the Republicans that we trust and love. None of them are going to say anything. And this is perfect proof. This is perfect evidence. Four months before the primary, right? how many months or how many weeks before the um before the elections in November are they finally going to start to sing a little too late right um if i'm not mistaken sometime in i guess it would be september 3rd of this year is when the um statutory um um limitation for retaining election data will expire for the 2020 election, ladies and gentlemen. So we're coming up on that deadline quick. And as we get closer to that deadline, as we get closer to restoring our republic, we are going to see more rhino activity. And we may see some rhino activity that we don't like, guys. We might see some people turn out to be exactly the opposite of what they proclaimed to be, ladies and gentlemen. That is just the facts of the matter, guys. As we get closer to restoring our Republic, we are going to, they are going to unmask themselves. They are going to gladly come out because they have to, because they're owned, you know, by who, by whatever reason that they have chosen to be a rhino, whether that's love of office, love of money, or, you know, um, love of their master, or just self-empowerment, they will reveal themselves, guys. So uh, mark my words on this um, 43 minutes past July 4th, 2022. All right, guys, uh, let's finish up this article. It says here, um, oh, wait, I didn't finish that paragraph. It says here, uh, until now, four months before the Michigan primary election, their calls to fellow lawmakers asking them to join them in taking action and to help force an investigation into the results of the 2020 election have fallen on deaf ears. The outspoken Michigan State Representative Matt Madock was, um, and that is he there, um, was recently punished by Republican Speaker Wentworth and Speaker wannabe Matt Hall over his election integrity activism and his efforts to help lead, uh, to help elect future House members who take the issue of voter fraud seriously. In what can only be described as petty politics the House leaders stripped Maddock of the ability to attend debates and discuss upcoming bills and removed his name from the House website. That is pretty shady, guys. That is, I mean, that sounds like beyond. Like, that sounds like egregious and excessive, ladies and gentlemen. Like, if he's running for reelection, he can't attend debates. I mean, that's jeopardizing his campaign. Uh, The goal of... And that is just about the way it goes in Michigan. When I think about wretched Gretchen Whitmer and wretched Dana Nassel and wretched Jocelyn Benson, that is just about on par. Michigan. Corrupt. Um, Let's see here. The goal... Oh, you know what? Speaking of another tidbit of corruption, guys, um, it was um, Representative Myers, I believe, uh, who was heading up... um, Uh, The information that was coming out about like the affidavits and stuff like that and other pieces of election fraud. Well, basically, they have it under gag. So a um, concerned um, um, GOP representative, like, say, take Matt Maddock, for example, can go into the chambers and can review all of the evidence. But because it's under gag, he can't talk about it. He can't make a stink about it. I mean, it sounds like he has honestly, with his activism and the measures they're taking against him, if he um, saw those pieces of evidence at all. But uh, yeah, they are under- they can't do anything about it. Like, what kind of a state house does that to their people and to their peers? I mean, it's, it's totally unthinkable that that has occurred there. And they can't say, they can't even take pictures. They cannot even take notes of the evidence that they review about the fraud. It's crazy, guys. Like, I'm telling you, Michigan is corrupt. Um, It says here, uh, former House Oversight Committee Chair and wannabe Speaker of the House Matt Hall is the number one top fraud on the list of lawmakers calling out Nacelle to investigate the evidence from the 2000 Mules uh, movie. Wait, so wannabe Speaker Matt Hall is the one who is calling out Nacelle. Okay, I don't understand how that works, but I'll roll with it. After listening to the testimony of multiple witnesses of voter fraud, Hall dismissed every one of them. Oh, wait. Number one, top fraud on the list of lawmakers calling out. (laughs) Maybe I just misread the syntax of that uh, sentence. Anyways, okay. Or maybe it's just late, right, ladies and gentlemen? It says, after listening to the testimony of multiple witnesses of voter fraud, Hall dismissed every one of them. The cowardly lawmaker let Michigan Senate Oversight Chair Ed McBroom, I told you, that's the dude, and it was his committee that said there was no fraud. Let's see if that's what this sentence says. Uh, The cowardly lawmaker let Michigan Senate Oversight Chair Ed McBroom, Republican, Rhino, Take the arrows for his laughable final report on voter fraud in Michigan that was used to support Democrat claims that 2020 was the most secure election in history. Hall, who heard credible examples of voter fraud, never stepped forward to call for a forensic audit of the election hall who is suddenly taking a seemingly serious interest in election fraud because he already did his part of the job now he just needs to do the political cleanup so he can stay in office you know we got to take care of these rhinos ladies and gentlemen i am just about done with rhinos and we're just finding out about them more and more every day too which is crazy Uh, But yeah, so Hall is seemingly uh, serious about interests in election fraud. Um, He is facing a pro election integrity opponent in the upcoming August primary election. On Monday, the former Michigan State Senator and election integrity leader and author of the 2020 coup, Patrick Kolbeck, will be speaking on behalf of Dr. Gary Mitchell at a showing of 2,000 Mules. Kolbeck has endorsed Mitchell. Uh in his uh, primary race against current Matt Hall. And uh those are um photographs there of uh Speaker Wentworth and um supposed wannabe Speaker Matt Hall. Ugh he looks like a weasel. He looks like a little Percy, little Karen, little traitor to America. And the other one looks like a pedophile. Anyways, when it comes to addressing credible claims of election fraud in Michigan, Representative Steve Johnson, Republican, who became the House Oversight Chair after the November election and is also a member of the Election and Ethics Committee, is one of the most powerful members of the state legislature. Johnson let down Republicans when he dropped the ball on voter fraud investigations. During an exclusive interview with 100% Fed Up in June 2021, Representative Johnson mocked the forensic audit in Arizona. Johnson laughed, telling me, It's a joke. It's a wasted effort. It's been a disaster. I was admittedly taken aback by his arrogance and asked him to explain. It's taken way longer than they said it would take, and it's over budget. You know, I mean... The people of Arizona as a government paid a portion of it, but they did not pay the majority of it. I mean, as far as taxpayers go. Anyhow, um, uh, the writer of this article asked Representative Johnson if he was aware that in large part the Arizona audit was stalled because Democrats were stonewalling the process and trying to prevent the audit from taking place. Johnson dismissed the explanation saying they need proof of fraud explaining that he's not going down that road of an election audit in Michigan, telling uh, the author of the article that Michigan Secretary of Snakes Benson has already conducted a couple of audits and a hand recount. So just recount the ballot, uh, the fraudulent ballots, right? Just do a limited risk-taking audit, which is a very small percentage of the race, and choose what office you want so everything looks like it's coming up roses. Oh, if it isn't Representative, oh, this is Steven Johnson. Okay, I thought that, oh, Meyer. Meyer's a ginger. Okay, never mind. Okay, so uh, freshman uh, Representative Ken Borton, who represents a solidly red district, attended a voter fraud event in Antrim County, Michigan. Uh, Borton approached Mike Lindell in the VIP area and asked for a photo op. When I asked Ken to tell Mike what he was doing to address legitimate voter fraud claims, he quickly walked away. So you guys get what this article's doing here. It is, again, exposing in a single article all of these rhinos, all of these uh, Republican GOP conservative rhinos, hacks that are trying to save their political career. But they've already done the damage that they were required to do. You guys know that this is coming, right? Because you know what time it is at the Sea Report and now beyond. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is rhino hunting season. It has been rhino hunting season since uh, 2016. Make sure you get your shirts at Shop Mr. C Store at uh, TheSeaReport.com. Okay, so interesting that, interesting that. Um, it says here, Borton will face Republican Kim Morley in the upcoming... Oh, let me expand that for you guys so you don't see me reading. Um, Borton will face Republican Kim Morley in the upcoming August primary elections in four months. Morley, who is a strong challenger to Borton, has openly pledged to commit to investigate legitimate voter fraud claims and to support the secretary of state who is accountable for following our current election laws and not mass mailing ballots. Uh, Morley supports uh, using ID and signature verification to address voter fraud concerns in Michigan. Hmm. Well, it sounds like um, Morley would work well with uh, Christina Caramo. Curiously, after two years of inaction on voter fraud issues, Borton's name has appeared at the bottom of the letter to Nassel. Now that uh, the letter is out there, let's see how hard these lawmakers push to make Michigan's partisan uh, attorney general act on their request or just act with accordance of her job, right? Act in accordance with the duties of her job. Um, Hey, Tennessee, Tim, what is going on? Thank you for gifting the can, my friend, and Relanon. Thank you for the can as well. Do I look parched? It is a little hot up here tonight, but uh, overall, we're doing well. Okay, I think that brings us to our last story for tonight. What is it? Ah... It is the Matthew DePerno, Wretched AG Nacelle story, ladies and gentlemen, and I don't have a banner for it. That's why I was confused. Okay, well, um, let me give you a little bit of information into what's going on here, and then uh, we'll talk about the article. So, um, Attorney General Wretched Dana Nacelle has, uh, has declared that she is going to pursue Um, an investigation and indictments of anyone who was involved in the um, January 6th false flag Capitol riots, ladies and gentlemen, and also anyone who has spoken against the 2020 election. We covered the story uh, probably a few weeks ago now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, it just so happens that um, Dana Nessel's opponent for attorney general, 2022 is none other than Matthew DiPerno and Matthew DiPerno is the uh, constitutional lawyer that led the Antrim County, Michigan um, case. Um, Again, a case that just went into massive amounts of voter fraud that had a forensic audit on the machines of Dominion that was not looked at the judge on a technicality, lack of standing. Actually, it wasn't a lack of standing there. It was um, uh, a belief that the sole plaintiff had, uh, had, had his um, complaint satisfied by being able to do a uh, forensic um, analysis of the machines and the ballots, um, but they didn't need to look at the data that was retrieved from that report because the act of doing the forensic audit was enough to satisfy. And on a technicality, they threw the rest of it out. And then it went into appeals and they threw that out as well. So uh, Matthew DiPerno is now taking the Antrim County, Michigan case to the Supreme Court. We'll see how that goes, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good night, 123SKG. Sorry, I'm running late. I'm running long. Uh, but thanks for uh, hanging out with us tonight. And uh, well, we'll be wrapping it up soon, ladies and gentlemen. We're almost at the finish line. And uh, let's see here. I was supposed to be uh, writing up my, ban- my, ban- my banner. My Bannon? My my Bannon? My Steve Bannon? Let's see uh, wretched AG Dana Nacelle, Um goes after a, um, AG election opponent, Matthew Deperno. Yeah, that sounds good. We'll call him Matt Diperno because that's how he goes by. All right, he's he's one of the rock stars here at the C Report. Matt Diperno is. All right, let's hope I got that banner right. There we go. Now, let's get into this final story for tonight. Drunk on Power. Michigan Democrat Ag threatens to jail her opponent. Now, like I said, I don't know if this is specifically referring to the um, claims of election fraud and overturning the 2020 election or what it is, but she's also doing this for her buddy, um, wretched, um, wretched Jocelyn Benson, whose opponent is Christina Caramo. Now, if you take a powerhouse like constitutional lawyer um, Matt DePerno and America First Secretary of State uh, candidate Christina Caramo, there is no way that Nasel and Benson stand a chance. And so now they're going to try and jail their, their opponents. Is corrupt, 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 corrupt. Is there any other word for these um, swamp creatures, ladies and gentlemen? So the article coming to us from uh, the Washington Free Beacon says, uh, After the Republican opponent of Michigan Attorney General Dana Nassel criticized the Democrat for using uh, for refusing to enforce the state's abortion ban, Nacelle threatened to jail the candidate. So she threatened him with an investigation and an indictment before that. Uh, Jeff Timmer, a senior advisor for the Nacelle campaign, tweeted on Wednesday that his boss's Republican challenger, Matt DiPerno, has to remain unindicted to qualify for a debate. Timmer tweeted that the threat... Uh, tweeted the threat just after DePerno criticized Nassel's refusal to enforce the state's 1931 abortion ban following the Supreme Court's overturn of Roe v Wade. "Consider this as an official campaign response," Timmer tweeted. "I can commit that Dana will debate you. All you have to do is one, become the official GOP nominee, which has occurred, two, remain unindicted, which they're working on to the benefit of wretched Dana Nacelle. And three, allow Dana to Mirandize you at the beginning of the debate. What? Oh my, Mirandize yourself, Dana Nacelle. Uh, Why don't you take, retake your public oath of office, Dana Nacelle. And why don't you remember that you're supposed to be protecting your state constitution and the constitution of these United States of America dana nacelle anyways nacelle who is best known for her drunken exit on a wheelchair at a college football game i'll be totally transparent here guys that happened to me one time in las vegas um anyhow uh dana nacelle drunken exit wheelchair football game as well as her call for drag queens for every school god this nacelle wretched Drag queens for every school. She has a history of threatening political opponents with jail time. As attorney general, she brought charges against former Republican Michigan governors Rick Snyder in relation to the Flint water crisis, but the state Supreme Court dropped the charges. Emails obtained in uh, a public information request also show Nacelle attempted to have restaurant owner Marlena Hackney Arrested before she appeared on Tucker Carlson tonight to discuss why she defied the state's pandemic lockdown order. Do we do we know her whereabouts? Nacelle wrote in an email. We should just have picked her up before she goes on. This is outrageous. Hackney was arrested seven days later. DiPerno rose to national fame after he challenged the 2020 election results in Michigan's Antrim County. He is not under investigation, but has faced criticism for withholding information about how he spends funds raised in support of an election audit. I done heard told that those are going into other election integrity efforts, is what I done heard told. But, uh, you know, they're pretty quiet on that regard because they don't want to, uh, they don't want to broadcast their moves. Uh, DePerno said Nacelle uses her power in office as a political weapon. Um, let's see, DiPerno told the Washington Free Beacon, it just shows she is getting more and more drunk on power, more drunk than that time at the football game that she was wheelchaired out in a stupor. And Nacelle is reckless with each passing day. She has no shame in her actions, and that is now very clear to the public. Timmer reportedly joined Nacelle's campaign in October after years of experience working for the Michigan Republican Party, another rhino. He is also a senior advisor to, oh, the Lincoln Project. That means he might be be a boy lover, um, whose co-founder, I said might, okay, so no defamation, um, whose co-founder, John Weaver, left the organization in disgrace amid accusations of sexual misconduct toward young men. The youngest was 14. The group reached a $375,000 legal, se- legal settlement in February with an official who accused the super PAC of ignoring the misconduct allegations. Uh, Gustavo Portella, the deputy chief of staff of the Michigan GOP, said Nacelle should focus on actual crime, which has spiked under her rule. Portella told the Free Beacon. Dana Nessel is more consumed with jailing Michiganders who oppose her ideology than going after actual criminals, making our streets and neighborhoods less safe. It is no wonder crime has gone up under her watch. We're going to end her drunk on power tirades this fall when we defeat her in November. Neither Nessel's campaign nor her office responded to request for comment. There you go, guys. It's wretched Dana Nacelle. If you hadn't heard about her, you heard about her tonight. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, that brings tonight's episode of the Sea Report to a close. We went into one hour, well, 42 minutes of overtime. Try to cap it at three hours, but hey, when the spirit moves you, it moves you. Uh, thank you all again for being in the audience. Uh, Chaos Soul over at Twitch. Uh Sumter53 and uh, Tessa Michelle for hanging out over at uh, Rumble and also everyone else who's present. Uh, Everyone over at Clout Hub. Uh, And um, well, actually, we were on multiple platforms, but also, of course, not to forget our friends over at the foxhole.app and pill.net. Thank you guys for hanging out. We had a really good audience tonight. And I appreciate y'all's attendance and your presence in spirit or otherwise and uh, gold pill donations uh, that come in from the platform over at Foxhole. Um, again, you can also support the C-Report um, over at our podcast, Anchor.fm. Uh, monthly donations there. You can support us through Cash App. Um, we'll have the little tagline appearing in the uh, um, ticker tape down there. It's a uh, dollar sign M-A-C-X-5-X-5. If you'd like to make a Cash App donation to keep the work I'm doing here afloat. And uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, you can also go to our store. Uh, easiest way to get there is thecereport.com. Click on the store button in the top right-hand corner. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, uh, now and through, I believe, July 17th, we have a 17% discount available with coupon code 1776 Reborn. That is 1776 Reborn. Get your 17% discount off of all the merchandise available at the Shop Mr. C TV store. And uh, that includes our new design for the Secretary of Snakes um, um, that we did, as well as the um, rhino hunting season from uh, from the White House to the State House. It is rhino hunting season. And a bunch of other designs. We've got some new stuff coming up in there as well. So I look forward to sharing it with you all. And if you guys happen to catch any uh, Shop Mr. CTV merchandise, let me know what you think about it, you know, and uh, let me know what you got. And if you liked it, I would love to hear from you guys. In the meantime and in between time, ladies and gentlemen, that will bring our episode to a close. Thank you once again for being present and accounted for. And uh, as always, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We will see you next time. Have a great night and again, happy 4th of July.